You're listening to the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional, but pot is not. Broadcasting from FEMA Region 7, it's Bowl After Bowl with your hosts, Lorian and Spencer. She's got big boobs, doesn't she? Yes! I knew it! I'm just a nigga that loves titties. We have blunts here. I've never done a blunt. I do one. Shit. I love confrontation, bro. I fucking savor it. It is so good. Do you ever see that? That is my I told him last night that he had to come. You'd love it. I'm on my weed. Earned the right to smoke weed. That's right. Earning the right by putting in the fight. On this Tuesday night. Hope you're feeling alright. It is May 9th, 2023. Welcome back to the bowl for episode 244. You dirty horse. I am Sir Spencer, Wolf of Kansas City. And I'm Dame. DeLorean. And you're a bowler, just bowling around. Maybe for the first time. Maybe for the 244th time. Although we have our doubts. Who bowls that much, anyway? Whatever your reasons, wherever you came from, we're glad you're here. We hope you stick around. Hang out and uh, get to know the thing that we like to call the bowl. Oh, man. Whirlwind of a week. <laughs> I mean, they've been packed lately, but holy Moses. Holy Moses. Yeah, it's been a wild week. I am still kind of uh, trying to find that baseline recovery spot. Normal existence. Equilibrium. Yeah. Uh, Two weeks back-to-back of doubles at work. Capped off by ending that uh, on... Giving my students a surprise, like, early half day. Zooming over to Columbia and uh, being at my buddy's wedding. And we went all the way. I probably slept, like, eight or ten hours the whole weekend. Nice. Something like that. Yeah. I knew you were going hard because you didn't text me till like, two or three in the morning, Friday night. Yeah. But I knew you had to pick up your suit, get to the rehearsal, and then party. Yeah. So I wasn't worried about you, but I did text you before I went to bed, just being like, hey, just give me a sign of life when you get a minute. <laughs> oh, there was signs of life, no doubt about that. <laughs> signs of life, signs of death, signs of everything in between, man. Columbia, what a town, holy shit. Every time I go there, it's uh, it's so different. It's always changing up. It is, yeah. But it's still the same Columbia. Yeah, well, and the differences are same. It's just like more of the big-ass... Uh, housing apartment complexes with shops on the bottom floor. Mm, yep. There's just like four or five more of those now scattered throughout downtown. The Brookside. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is uh, still a party town. No doubts about that. Don't they have a huge pinball place there now? Or uh, n- am I misled? There's a big arcade there, yeah. Um, I don't know like how many tables they have. It's not like crazy. 
Okay. It's not pinball specific. No. At least not the one I'm thinking of. The, you know, the one we walked in. Yeah, we walked into yeah. that one. We walked around the last time we were there. That's right. Whew. I'm telling you. I forgot most of it. Well, that's good. But that's I'll, a good sign. I'll never forget the great parts. And uh, saw a number of old friends. And made a few new ones, too. Made, made a lot of new ones. We family now. Uh, and congratulations, by the way, to Quindell, my boy Quindell, and his new wife, Harmony. We knew she was the one. Yeah, man. The first time we met her. Yeah, they're fantastic together. Like peas and carrots. I was there in spirit. You were. You were. And a great time was had by all who hung around and stayed. All who hung around and stayed. Got any stories you want to share? I'm trying to really think, but uh, I don't know. Look extra great. What was it like being a groomsman? That's like a great responsibility. This is true. Nobody's ever like selected me to be a groomsman. Because I don't know. I think that's like part of it is I'm just like peripheral on the outside of so many friend groups, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I was never like ultra tight with anybody. And then, like, probably the people who would have uh, picked me to be in their, like, wedding party either n- never got married, weren't about married life, or are no longer around Yeah, in this world. So there's that. It's always, like, bittersweet, weird to think about, you know, like, what would have gone on if certain people would have made it. Uh, but, man, being a, being a groomsman, it's fun because... Uh, I just did the groomsman stuff, you know? You support the groom. and uh, <laughs> Make sure he has a great time. Make sure he has an excellent time. Make sure that he doesn't wander off or get into trouble. Yeah. Or do anything uh, too crazy uh, while still doing crazy stuff. We did have a fun time at... Uh, we went to this axe-throwing deal, you know? They yeah. got him, like, all over the place. But this place had, like, all kinds of stuff you could throw. So they had like throwing knives and uh, ninja stars and a um, bunch of different weirdnesses. And then they had a rage room or whatever. Oh, where you just break stuff? Yeah, you go in there and like office space it up. And they had a bunch of aluminum bats to do the work with. These yeah. bats are like all bent around like pa- uh, paper clips. Dang. And you pick them up and it's like, does this bat even weigh a full pound? Like this is nothing. But then they have a crowbar in there and it's like, okay. Oh my. Bat or crowbar. I know what I'm going for. Did you go in there? Oh, yeah, definitely. Do you go in one at a time? Yes. I was going to say, that would be kind of dangerous yeah, to have you, multiple people. It's in not there. that big of a room, first off. So do they replenish the breakables? Yeah, they've like got a bunch of stuff in there, like you know your typical shit, like printers and fax machines and whatever. And then you can buy like stuff Oh. to smash up in there also. <laughs> So, like, I don't know, they had, like, uh, vases and stuff like that. Big glass bowls. I don't know. It was okay. It was fun. It wasn't like uh, a rage room is, like, something I'm like, yeah, I gotta go now again, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. if I want to break some shit, I'm sure I can find some shit to break. Um, you just turn around the wrong way in the bowl and something will break. But Well, that's true. <laughs> but I'm glad I, like, got to check something like that out. Yeah. Know? It was fun. That seems like it could be therapeutic for people. I think so. I think so. I'm not one of those people, though. Breaking stuff makes me like, oh, no. That's my reaction. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to break anything. 
when you're in that room full of shit that's already broken, it's pretty easy to just break it some more. Yeah. Uh, we ate at a nice restaurant that, so, so me and my buddy Quinn met at a restaurant in Columbia, Jazz. It's like a little Cajun joint. And the cook there at the time was my buddy Shane, who we have connections with because his, his wife went to high school with me. Um, so we went back to Jazz that first night, right after the rehearsal. We just ha- needed somewhere to duck into to change, um, to go out. And so we ended up ducking in there. And it was so weird because it had been like seven or eight years since I worked there. So nobody's there who's saying, you know, there's one, there's one person, the main manager girl is still there. And she didn't recognize me for shit. Because you have a mustache. Uh, yeah, I got this big mustache now. I wore my cowboy hat. I show up to Quinn's house. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's all his family. So it's like just 90% brothers looking at me like, who the fuck is this white cowboy walking up on this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> nobody understood like why I was there, what I was doing. Uh, they did by the end of the weekend. They got it. Uh, but anyway, so we go to jazz and I told Quinn, it's so weird, like opening that kit, walking back in that kitchen and not seeing Shane back there. Cause he always ran the kitchen. Yeah. And then later that night we're finishing up our meal at the place and I'm going out for a cigarette. Quinn's coming back in. He's like, look who I found. And he's got Shane. No way. Shane's right there. And he's like, yeah, fellas, how was your meal tonight? And we're like, oh, it was really good. He's like, oh, cool. I'm glad you liked it. Oh, uh, I picked out this menu. La, 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 and I'm like, wait, you're the, you're the chef here. So Shane turned out Quinn had no idea. His brothers had no idea. Nobody knew that Shane was the sous chef there, but we just happened to pick that spot. And he's the guy. That's so awesome. I was, I was like, dude, no wonder this shit was so delicious. Like, if you're back there in charge of everything, man. Ooh. And that's one of those signs, too. Like, everyone's where they're supposed to be. Yeah, it's like a whisper from the universe. Like, hey, you're good. Yeah, that's awesome. It was. It was a fucking blast. They had the ceremony out in this place in the middle of nowhere. A secret place is the name of the joint. A secret place. Oh. <laughs> and... <laughs> um. They have like a little houses there you can stay at. Like it's like Airbnb type situations. Uh, there's like a groomsman's lodge and a bridesmaid's cottage and stuff, you know. So we're like posted up, getting our tuxes on in the in the groomsman's lodge. Did the whole ceremony and then um, taking pictures after the ceremony. And Harmony sends me for her uh, slides. Right? She's like, "Can I just get out of these heels into some flops?" Right? Yeah. So I go in there, and the bridal cottage is like awesome, immaculate, modern. Looks like uh, I don't know something that you would film a reality TV show in or something. You know what I mean? It looks yeah. like the Big Brother house or something. Um, like a small micro version of that kind of thing. You know, everything's ultra modern. There's a full kitchen in there and everything. I'm like, man, this looks this makes the groom's setup look like a shack. Dang. So everybody ended up staying over there. Nice. There was only like, I think, six or seven of us that stayed throughout the whole night, left the next morning. And then his mom made this big spread for us for brunch. Aw. His dad's in there like frying up all the bacon and everything on a griddle and it was tight. They just did everything so perfectly. It was fun. It was it was fun to be a part of for sure. That's we, nice. Uh, had a great goddamn time, I guess is what you would say. They had a great goddamn time. Fantastic.
Well, yeah. I had a peaceful weekend. A peaceful, easy weekend. Yeah, because I hung out with Pop. That's right. And the kiddos. And there was a hardware store that was doing paint a flower pot for your mom in preparation for Mother's Day. So the girls both painted uh, flower pots for me. And the workers kept offering one to John. And John was like, you know, he's not even two yet. Yep. So he was like, just kind of staring at them. And I was like, nah, he's okay. I promise <laughs> I like he'll he be all right. would throw it, you know? <laughs> yeah, he's just going to break it or get pained on something or just be more of a hassle than a... A helper. Mm-hmm. But they gave him a little apron and he was really into that. <laughs> he, he looked like he was working at the store. It was so funny. That is hilarious. He was like picking things up and putting them back on shelves. <laughs> yep. So that was cute. Give him his 12 bucks an hour or whatever it is, man. Yeah, right? Yeah. Child labor is not unheard of in this country. Yeah, bring back <laughs> child labor. But then you need your, money. Your pop bought some flowers to put in those pots for me, so now I got them upstairs looking beautiful. Nice. Yep. Yeah, fun times had by all, man. Yeah. Stocked some carp in your dad's pond. Nice. Also, that was fun. That's cool. Yeah. Hopefully we can keep the weed from growing over the pond this year. Yeah, the bad pond weed. Duckweed or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Absolute nuisance, man. The baby birds uh, flew off today. Uh, they did indeed. I didn't even uh, mention them last week. Because I kind of, they just came on my radar. But we had some baby robins out the garage door on the uh, pipe, the gutter on the downspout. My mama robin had built a nest. And man, like the past two or three days, I knew it was close because when they got back, they like were enormous. Hey, yeah, I don't know how they were all fitting in that nest. Still. I don't either. And just just today I was telling them birds like I was talking to them, you know, because what do you do when you're on break smoking a cigarette? I was like, y'all are getting too big for that nest, man. You got to get out of here soon. And then the next break, I came out, and the nest was on the ground, and they were uh, on the other side of the back fence, so I could still see them, but they had like they were moving their way out of here, heading east. Nice. To freedom. So, yeah. And they all made it, out of our yard at least. Yep. All grown up, ready to be big robins now. Rockin' robin. Rockin' robin. Tweedly deep, man. That was a fun experience. Girls liked watching the baby birds grow up. Yeah. They couldn't believe how fast they grew. It was fast, man. It's quick. I couldn't believe it either. It was just little uglies, and then all of a sudden, man, they're like fuzzy. They get like fuzzy when they get big, you know? Yeah. That's how you know they're changing. Pretty cute, man. Cute little uglies. Uh, Booberry made history again. Oh? I don't know if you caught much of that, but uh, he's pulling in. Now, I got to say, I haven't. I haven't been up with the podcasting 2.0. I'm like two or three behind because of the doubles and all the shit I've been doing, like even more than usual. Like I'm always doing something, but these last two to three weeks have been retarded. And uh, so Booberry, what he did was, you know, they always do an intermission over there behind the schemes. Yes. And so he set his intermission up to somehow with the chapter data, switch the value tag during the intermission to the artists and songs that are playing. And so if you boost at those points in intermission, you're actually boosting, uh, I think, 90% to the artists themselves. Oh, that's awesome. So it's like a dynamic value tag that's switching around at certain points. Crazy shit, man. This is the things that we've been talking about for 
like a couple of years now, actually getting out there and getting a breaking ground yep. happening, getting uh, real, real life tested. So that's killer. It's all coming together. Blueberry. Kicking ass and taking names. You can see him at BehindTheSchemes.com. With threes instead of E's in the schemes word. If you don't know that by now, you don't know much. Uh, yeah. That was my notes for the recaps. Good notes. Boobs in the chat says, it's separate from the chapters. It's separate. Ah, it's separate from the chapters. Yeah, I really need to uh, figure all this shit out and catch up on some episodes. Uh, just like running behind, man, playing catch up on a lot of different things. And uh, there's a little piece of me that's just like not even uh, ready. You know what I mean? Not even ready to... Because I have such, a, I have this backlog of things that have already been out that I want to implement to the point where I'm like, shit, do I even want to like learn this too? Cause I already have an understanding of the things I need to put in. And I almost feel like I just want to put my head down and do those. I don't know, man. Sometimes that just like terrifies me. All of the stuff is happening all around and I'm just like, uh, feel lost, feel lost in the wilderness. Um, even though I know I'm not, it just kind of like feels that way sometimes a little overwhelming, like all the stuff that's going on, you know? Everything just keeps happening at a rapid pace. But it's 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 fucking awesome. The evolution of all of this, man. Remember we didn't even know what the hell a lightning node was when we, when this first all started off. Craziness, man. Craziness. But we're so grateful for uh everybody in the circle, all the bowlers out there. Uh everybody making it happen. Week after week, bowl after bowl. And that's why we like to thank everybody right up front for the treasure that they kick back, the value they provide in return for the value they've already received from the show. It's a uh, really when you when you get right down to it, it's it's all based on the first rule. First rule of being a smoker is it's bad manners to keep bumming all the damn time. So uh, if you get something, give something. That's the concept behind value of value uh, value for value. And the awesome thing about it is there's so many different ways to participate. It's not just like. Give me your money, bitch, every single week. You know, it's it's this kaleidoscope of different efforts, different uh, people with unique talents or unique abilities to provide certain value. Sometimes the value is information, man. Sometimes the value is content. Uh, when the value is treasure, we like to thank people who sent that in by name right up front. And we did have a PayPal come in. Just earlier tonight, in fact, from the one and only lovely Vox. Oh, thanks, Vox. Thank you very much, Vox. She sent 10 bucks in on the PayPals, and she said, Happy Mother's Day, Dame DeLorean. Parenting is vital. Thanks. Oh, thank you. And happy Mother's Day to you, too. It's a great week to be a mother. Every week's a great week to be a mother. We just uh, smashed on a Mom's Day cookie cake that I bought because they were like on massive sale at the store. It was I, delicious. I'm trying to get him, get him out early, I guess. Uh, we also got this little lovely in the mail. Ooh, uh, package time. An envelope that contained these two books and a lovely card. Uh, Mama always said, you got to open the card first, though. It is from M. Andrew Jones. Yay! To you and to me, and uh, sealed with that telltale ITM seal of approval on it the sealing wax and 
We're always ex excited and intrigued to see what card he may have picked out this time. Oh, it's another Ooh. one of the little witches. Remember the little witch with the mushrooms? This is a little witch with a broom in front of a, I don't know, what do you call those things? Like a curiosity cabinet. Yeah. Like a little mini curio thing. Curiosities. With, uh, I don't know, little books and potions and statuettes. Very Halloween-y. Very Halloween-y looking. I'll have to put a picture in the chat. And uh, postal money order, as per usual, but different number. 4269 this time. Ew. Thank you, Amanda Thank Jones. Thank you. 4269. I do love the uh, USPS postal money order thing. That's a slick move. A unique move. And uh, our boy Andrew says, Spencer and Lorian, my friend Alana did more witch cards. Let me know when you finish these and we'll do another Bowls with Buds. I had fun. Sincerely, M. Andrew Jones. Aw, we had fun too. That was a blast. That was so fun. If you haven't uh, checked the M. Andrew Jones interview yet and hear that and all the other interviews we've done at bowlswithbuds.com. Do them every once in a while. Sporadically intertwined with the show. And uh, two books came. The Story of Number, we talked about that. In fact, that was it featured as one of the three books in the artwork. Yes. So that'll be, I think, a fun and quick read by the looks of it. It's a, it's a thinner book, sort of uh, the same size as metal. But I'm interested to see his symbology and numerology story there. And then, this one is thick. Here, hold on. Let me get a proper flick. Very nice. That's, his, uh, that's a sizable paperback right there. Uh, this one, titled The End of Marvelous, 11th Anniversary Edition. If I'm not mistaken, he told us this was the first one he ever did. That's correct. And uh, instant bestseller, it says on the front. Nathan Marvelous was never the same. Public sentiment toward the celebrity only declined ever since he quit boxing in a huff. Years later, the reclusive star had been all but forgotten when a meteor is discovered and projected to impact the Earth. Despite a seeming lack of qualification, Nathan is tapped by a local politician that punches well above his weight, and the prize fighter is tasked with saving Southern Europe and Northern Africa. But, as the assignment goes forward, secrets come to light, and an old enemy creeps from the shadows intent on destroying anything and everything that Nathan holds dear. At times poignant, at times zany, and always with another twist approaching, the end of Marvelous explores what it is to be human, or nearly so. Oh, and he has a quote from Mark Pugner on the back, as promised. <laughs> like the fabled rope-a-dope, the end of Marvelous often appears to be stuck on humorous side plots, but the story is simply wearing out the reader's preconceived notions so it can deliver a well-orchestrated and nearly flawless victory in the final rounds. Mark Pugner of the Gitmo Nation Times. Well, there you go. Thanks very much, uh... Emma Andrew Jones, we appreciate you. And yes, I will definitely let you know when I finish those. When we finish those. Yes. When we finish them, we'll both read them. Yep. We'll both read them. Now appreciate we have the that. full Emma Andrew Jones collection. That's right. Get the whole uh, bibliography, man. Very exciting. Fantastic. Uh, we also have, by the way, a fantastic new way to play. I'm gonna boost some stats. I've got 40,000 in my wallet. I'm, I'm, I'm boosting value contribution. This is fucking awesome. That's right. That's right. You may have heard Bitcoin is dead. Bitcoin is broken. Bitcoin isn't working. Bitcoin is expensive to send. Uh, Lightning Network go burr, baby. 
Still getting them sats boosted at minimal fees. Channels are alive and rocking. And uh, high-fee environment. What high-fee environment? That's what we say over here on the Lightning Network. And you can participate. All you gotta do is take off all your clothes and go over to nudepodcastapps.com. Get yourself a nude one. Send some sats. Boost some grams. Uh, we do have some boosters. Always starting with Harv Hat, who hits us on the fade-out every Tuesday. And he did so last week as well. 1420 sats out of Podverse. All right. Thanks, thank, Harv Hat. Thank you very much. Appreciate you, my man. We also... Had a 6969. 6969! 6969, dudes! From C. Brooklyn 112. All right. Thanks, C. Brooklyn. He's also coming out of Podverse, by the way. And he said, boom, boom with the bridesmaids boost. There you go. (laughs) Absolutely boomed on. Uh, Toke Tester was taking some test tokes, looks like, through CurioCaster. There was a test toke toasted and another test toke toasted. Boosting that uh, last episode, 243 Stand Up Mom. Well, thank you, Test Toker. Toke Tester. Whatever order your names are in this week. Also a Test Test Toke coming in from the Podcast Index. So it's all over the place. Uh, hey, Citizen, then next, coming in with a 169.69. The 69.69 with the 10 grand on top. What does he say out of Podversed? Podverse. Podversed? It's not past tense, man. It's in the now. Podverse. And uh, he says, oh, he's boosting the Effortless and Mr. Man show. My two sats regarding Adam and John being snotty Tanas users, trolls, and listeners. When I feel offended, I return the value by making my own caricature of what they sound like to me. Last time I did this, they played it as an end-of-show mix. (laughs) Checkmate, faggots. Mic drop. (laughs) They did. It was amazing. Oh, man. Uh, this, this man produces some fantastic audio clips. So there we are. Uh, yes, we thank you. And uh, I don't know. I said my piece about it. I, I get myself into precarious situations sometimes because, like, I can understand where everybody's coming from, like, on all sides. Um, but it, it, it makes a great time to be able to get along with, like, uh, potentially warring factions or, you know, people that have problems with other people uh because it's all love man it's all love and uh i can i can get it there's things that sometimes get under my skin but um i look at it as funny you know at the end of the day that shit that shit is just funny and it's meant to be funny and it's also out of love you know like it might not seem that way but it's meant that way and uh i know i come off clumsy a lot of the goddamn time so you know I got a lot of grace in my heart for people. That's how I try to, I don't know. That's how I try to go about it, at least. Uh, Test Toker coming again, man. He is toking those tests. Tested, toked, toasted, he said, from Podverse now. I think he's hit us from uh, three major apps. Dang. So thank you. Keep on toking, uh, Tester. 333 from Boobsy. Boobs. Who said snip, snip. He's out there running with scissors. That's the sound of some scissors. <laughs> Boosting behind the schemes. Riding on the lawn. I believe he was testing uh, what we were just talking about. The little uh, dynamic value tag going on. Test Toke Toasted from Toke Tester. Test Toke Man I'm So Stoned from Toke Tester. Uh, here's for you, Tester. Wow. I am really high. Big testies on that, man. Uh, 4269 from Harv Hat. He hit us 33 minutes ago. Ooh. 
Out of Curio Caster. He always sees that live tag pop off, and he's got a boost about it, which we much, much appreciate. Uh, 8888, ain't that great? That's from Booley Steed out of Fountain. Oh, thanks, Booley Steed. She says, in the bowl, with a little bowling emoji, and then a hashtag, let's go bowling. Yes, let's. Let's go bowling. Yeah, I'm into that. Net Ned sends 10,000 sats from Fountain asking, is this real life? <laughs> oh, man. Could be just fantasy. I have no idea. But thanks, Net Ned. Thank you, Net Ned. And good night. And good night. Yep. Night, night, Net Ned. Net Ned's going to the net bed, laying down his pretty little net head. Uh, this next booster, though, is just getting the night started. 33,333 sats! That's also coming out of Fountain. That's Piranesi coming in. Thanks, Piranesi. Thank you. We appreciate you. And we appreciate all you bowlers out there. Boosting the sats. Uh, sending boostograms. Sending the PayPals. Putting uh, strange, marvelous lovelies in our mailbox. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's always touching. Hanging out in the bowl chat. Hanging out in the bowl chat. We see you bowlers. See you Booberry. See you Net Ned. See you Bully Steed. Yeah, you can get there by going to pound bowl after bowl. See you Vox. Hey, citizen. Or listen live on our website is a pretty easy way to get in. And there's other ways to contribute value, too. You can make some art. Send stories like Spence mentioned already. Uh, Jingles, ISOs, just saying hi. You can leave... A voicemail, for example. Every week, we have a first time I ever topic. And this week, we want to hear about the first time you ever told a your mom joke. So all you have to do is pick up your phone and... Call 816-607-3663 and the play of That's right. We'll play it. We won't screen it. And if you're voice shy, you can always send us a text or a picture message. Those come through, too. Mm -hmm. And perhaps the easiest of all ways to give value to the bowl is to simply pass the bowl to someone you believe might enjoy it. That's right. Pass it on. To the left. Pass it to the left. (laughs) Take two and pass. Take two and pass, man. It's all about that. Uh, so what do you say? You want to hear about some Bitcoin shit? I do. Oh, man, you should have built a node when I told you to, man. That's all I'm saying this week. Holy Moses. Holy Moses. If you start right now, it's going to be a fun time. I would recommend making very large channels at this point. Because, mm. uh, if you haven't heard it yet, we are experiencing a wicked high fee environment. The likes of which hasn't been seen for years. Uh, at the cheapest, we're getting in at about, oh man, the last two blocks got all the way down to 128 and 127 sats per virtual byte. Oof. And uh, for those new to the zone, we're very used to being able to pull it off with one. Yeah. 
We're used to being able to pull it off with one. Perhaps we're spoiled. Some call us spoiled. Uh, High-fee environment. Lots of different factors going on here. Um, you remember we had kind of a fee spike about a month or two back. And ordinals were to blame. And I uh, had a big long whine about ordinals. And they were making these big, nasty, ugly transactions in the uh, mempool that you could pretty much see in every block. You could click on them and see a big honker that was just uh, absolutely absurd. Uh, not exactly looking like that these days, and I don't know 100% what uh, changed, because it's rarer to see those huge blocks that are just absurd. But there are far more transactions uh, right now. Transactions are at an all-time high, um, to the tune of about 50% higher than the previous peak. And, yeah, you're paying money to get in that next block. You're paying money to use layer one. On average, uh, right now, just according to the little Thunderhub estimate when you send stuff, let me see if I can uh, figure out, for instance, what the uh, the minimum right now is 13 sats just to even get the thing uh, to to enter the uh, mempool mm. and not be, not be purged right away. Let's see, what are we purging, by the way? Let me look at mempool. We're currently, yes, purging anything less than 13 sats. It's just yanked right out of there. You don't even get to wait around and see if it, it wins or not. Dang. Unless you do 13 sats per virtual byte. And at 13 sats, oh, I don't know. Let's say we're sending 20,000. Why not? At 13 sats per virtual byte, you're looking at almost 3,000 sats for that transaction. Oof. If you actually want to get in, you want to be like at 125, which is... 27,000 sats, which is more than the damn transaction. <laughs> wow. So you can kind of see the problem here. The problem here is, well, the problem and the solution, I suppose you could say. Because me as a Lightning Node operator, I'm feeling pretty fine. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm routing payments. Things are hot. Uh, I can send my sats around at instant settlement with very low fees. I don't have to wait for these blocks to solve. I don't have to pay this. Crazy hyphy environment bullshit. Um, but if I'm a new node operator, I don't have any channels yet, and I want to open a channel, opening a channel takes an on-chain transaction. And you do have to pay that fee and do the wait dance. And so that's uh, historically expensive right now to do. And why is this? Well, there's a couple of things going on. I think, or I should say I suspect, that... Uh, the way that ordinals are working got some kind of a an upgrade in efficiency because I like I said I don't see as many of the humongous blocks anymore with just the ridiculous uh, witness signature uh, the data just like ridiculous chunks of data taking up uh, room in the block space but what I do see is a bunch of hype and a bunch of meme coins on this new uh, BRC twenty token. What is absolute that? <laughs> uh, fiat energy hype uh, that's going on? So uh, the the ETH twenty token started all of this. I think it's ERC twenty. Is that right? I don't know. I don't fuck with them a lot. But uh, this is kind of the answer to um, tokens on the blockchain, right? Tokenified, tokenified shit. And really, it's just uh, shit coins. 
that uh, I, I'm not even going to pretend like I understand the first thing of the technical aspects about how it works, how Bitcoin's involved, how you issue these tokens, these BRC token, BRC20 tokens. I will have to take some time and digest uh, all of that because this is all brand new to me and you know where I've been in a fucking work hole. Out of secret place. Yeah, I've been out of a secret <laughs> place. Getting putting secrets in my face. Uh yeah. BRC, BRC tokens, BRC twenty tokens. If you read all of the stories about it, the highest performing are the meme coins. Like meme coin market caps, hundreds of millions of dollars. This all feels so temporary to me. Yeah. That's for sure. It feels like the uh, NFT kind of types, you know, are now building on Bitcoin because they think, I don't know, if it, uh, they think they can make maxis mad or something. I'm not sure. The bottom line here, though, is a lot of these transactions are just making the most uh, inefficient fee spins. The most inefficient fee spins. Some of these hot high fees are just so crazy that you wonder how... How do you pay, you know, some people are paying 10 to 15% in fees to make these transactions. And so what do you get on the other side of that? And where does all the Bitcoin go? Well, the Bitcoin all is going to the miners for these fees, which, you know, that's not too bad of a thing, I suppose. Grab a miner. Take a, take a percentage of that. But uh, it just doesn't feel super sustainable over the long term. Like, how many times are they going to be able to do this? Over the long run, eventually you're going to spend it all in fees. It's going to run out sometime. And then what, what's left over? I don't understand enough to even speculate. All I know is crawling around on the blockchain on mempool.space and watching this stack up and just, you know, I'm feeling, hey, I got, I got 16 channels for now. I really hope none of them force close because that's going to cost me some fucking money right now in fees. But... I can wait it out. I can wait it out. I yeah. can stay retarded longer than they can. <laughs> I was born this way. That's right. I'm not really that... Uh, yeah, waiting just seems like the right move right now. I was a little irritated when it first started and when it was ordinals, and just seeing those big blocks just was like ugly as hell. Now, it's not really as upsetting to me for some reason. I don't know why. It's like... Oh, I don't know. There's, I don't know where these guys get this data, but like uh, Jack Neuriter tweet here. Full disclosure, I don't know. Oh, Fidelity Digital Assets Research is where he's from. He's, uh, so he should know his shit. Uh, he says the inscription trend on Bitcoin continued to grow over the weekend as text inscriptions represented 60% of the transaction volume uh, over the last 24 hours between May 7th and May 8th. Uh, starting to see real impact on Bitcoin fee markets, no shit, as these encrypt these inscriptions compete with regular Bitcoin payments for block space. What I kind of feel bad for, though, and uh, what really does rub me the wrong way with this whole uh, shitcoin monkey dick on the blockchain stuff, is that uh, in the meantime, while everybody's having their little fucking clown meme fun and uh setting money on fire doing it uh the third worlder bitcoin users who are using this for like real remittances and getting around 
fucking sanctions and not being able to have a bank account are now paying out the ass to do that. Mm. No, now they're t- now they're paying 10, 15 bucks to pull out a hundred bucks or to send a hundred bucks home. So it's like, it just loses its cuteness when you compare it with the real world implica- implications, you know, and lightning will be fine. Node operators will be fine. But like some people are hurt by this who don't deserve to be. And there's plenty of other ways we can handle this shitcoin lunary without uh, without fucking up the base layer mempool. And uh, because that's true, it will get more efficient over time. I don't think this is anything that can last a significant uh, amount of time because there's just not really anything compelling behind it. You know, it's purely hype. It's literally meme coins. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's literally meme coins. They've got a Pepe. They've got a fucking all the dogs. You know, I, it's just, I don't understand. Why get to ruin it? I get to ruin it for so many people. Uh, it rippled around the news cycle, including uh, we're seeing high fees force Binance to rediscover Bitcoin and explore lightning withdrawals. This one, ki- this one killed me. Uh, this is from the guys over at No BS Bitcoin, who uh, put a little snarky take on it. Binance tweeted out, "We've temporarily closed Bitcoin withdrawals as the Bitcoin network is experiencing a congestion issue." Uh, our team is currently working on a fix until the bit, until the network is stabilized and we'll reopen Bitcoin withdrawals as soon as possible. Rest assured, funds are safe. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, they're looking into the Lightning Network for withdrawals because uh, the, I am always perplexed. I think I said this even last week. It boggles my mind how few of the people who actually use Bitcoin seem to know about and use the Lightning Network. In fact, there's a shitload of Bitcoiners who are like, oh, the Lightning Network is a, a meme or not real Bitcoin. Mm. Or so, to something to that extent. Like, there's people who are actively rooting against the Layer 2 Lightning Network. Like, are you stupid? I don't understand it. I don't yeah. understand it. It's a tool it's like, in the tool belt. It's a tool in the tool belt. And, uh, yeah, you don't have to put every little micro payment on the Layer 1. And you know who's going to figure it out? Uh, pretty damn quick are these remittance payments uh, the folks that need it, the folks that have to uh, buy bread and water with it. They're going to figure out the Lightning Network real fast. So I don't know. In the end, it's one of those wild things where it's a minor temporary inconvenience that ultimately benefits everybody in Bitcoin because everybody learns something. And uh, the pain, the pain is the teacher. You know? If If it don't hurt, you don't learn nothing. So... I think overall it's going to be a good thing in the long run, even though it's uh, very eye-roll-inducing in the short run. Uh, What else do we got here semi-related? Oh, this was fun. Super Testnet, a GitHub user, uh, releases a tool that breaks ordinals. Oh. The story was out at the very end of last week, May 5th. Uh, Ordinals proponents say that it might still be possible to fix inscription numbers with a patch. It does not fully affect or fundamentally, excuse me, affect the ordinal theory as they, quote, continue to function as expected. Uh, Long story short, what he did was he sent a uh, non-standard transaction as a transcription with a zero value, which 
from my incredibly limited and uh, on on purpose limited understanding of ordinals, um, I just really don't give a shit. I have other things to learn about. Uh, But from what I understand, a zero value transaction inscribing that through one of these uh, ordinals indexers will increment the number, right? So you make an inscription on something, but then it has a zero value. So there's not actually a sat associated with it, but number go up in the ordinal theory. And so what you've done is you've made the number off by one. Uh, There's been big, I guess, arguments for a few months now that there was already an off by one, uh, an off by one error in the system. Hmm. So now this is a whole new thing that uh, people are breaking each other's shit and then laughing about it and pointing. I don't know. For my money, I think I have a little little bit more important things to accomplish, but uh, the basics of ordinal theory, it's just a, it's just a state of mind. It's just a way to think about the sats. It really isn't, uh, it isn't in or out of the Bitcoin protocol, if you know what I'm saying. It's literally just a way of thinking about it. It's a made up system of tracking individual sats throughout their history. And every X sat is more rare, right? Right, yeah, certain numbers, like 6969 being in there or something. Right. And so uh, the theory itself, the thing that was broken was the numbers, the inscription numbers, which is just their little arbitrary way to track which order the inscriptions happened in. Uh, And if somebody puts a zero value one in there, then they get a number in that order, but it's not an actual, it doesn't work because there's no sat that's actually inscribed. It's zero value. Oh, and uh, you can do that, I think, by doing an OP return uh, transaction that actually burns the sats. That's how it works. So basically what the deal is, is like if you're trying to be like the four millionth ins- inscription, now tracking is fucked up. And so you're going to have a hard time like threading that needle. And, you know, according to most cope, the owners of the existing and all the new ordinals currently being created are fine. The rare sat tracking is unaffected, and uh, I suppose that has to be true just because it was a uh, imagination in the first place. <laughs> yeah, it's just a made-up way to think about. Oh, that's the that's the ten millionth sat. Well, okay, I suppose so. Uh, self-proclaimed NFT historian Leonidas NFT also wrote an explainer in which he also reminded that quote there has been a debate about inscription numbers being off by a lot more than one for almost 3 months now. Oh jeez. So that's, that's fun. That's fun. Uh the zero value inscription that was used for messing with the numbers also included text saying you will use soma and you will like it. <laughs> nice. Soma is a uh proof of concept for space chain which they're saying is going to be a a way to do collectible NFT bullshit on Bitcoin without actually fucking up the blockchain oh, and bloating it with data. What a concept. So this, like I said, it's just going to be a matter of time until somebody figures out a better way to do it that, that people aren't setting money on fire to do. Because setting money on fire is not going to make your monkey gif more, pop, uh, more valuable. It's just not. And the NFT thing peaked a long time ago. It's so past peak, it's like kind of cringe at this point. So, all right. That was fun. They're uh, attacking back. Attacking back. I had a couple of actually fun ones. Cash App continues to kill it. 
they sold $2.16 billion worth of Bitcoin in Q1. Whoa. Up 25% uh, year over year. And uh, their gross profit is burning up too. So Cash App really getting the Bitcoin into the hands of just the, the regular money send back and forth types. In fact, uh, I have a feeling that Cash App is one of the biggest onboarders of people to Bitcoin in the last couple of years. Yeah, it was really easy onboarding folks at the Bitcoin block party that already had Cash App. And they're just like, oh, here, let's do it like this. Through the app you already have. Yeah. Yep. So they continue to uh, grow and grow, largely due to Bitcoin sales here. Fantastic. You love to see it. Bull Bitcoin, our brethren to the north there, just launched a uh, blog post here. Bull Bitcoin launches no KYC Bitcoin purchases with cash or debit. Ooh. So if you're Canadian and you like your privacy, uh, you've got a great spot over at Bull Bitcoin to be able to buy Bitcoin with no KYC at all. Uh, they're claiming the fastest, most secure, and cheapest no KYC Bitcoin uh, buying method that Canada has ever seen. No ID, no credit check, no bank account required. 2% fee, which is collected directly by Bull Bitcoin. And then a small flat fee collected by their payment processor at Canada Post, uh, which they claim makes bull Bitcoin by far the cheapest way to buy no KYC Bitcoin in Canada. So y'all got the freedom moves up there, man. My hat's off to you. My cowboy hat is tipped to my neighbors to the north. Grab some of that no KYC Bitcoin, man. Grab it up. You can do it by a swift wire transfer, cash or debit, at any Canada Post. Is that like the Canadian post office? Uh, yes. That's correct. Any Canadian post office. Huh. You can walk in there. You can tell the cashier, please scan my QR code here in my bull Bitcoin app. And then you pay them on a debit card or give them cash. And boom. You can buy up to $999.99 worth of Bitcoin per transaction. And they'll send it to your own self-custodial Bitcoin wallet on Chain or Lightning. That's another thing that's cool about bull bitcoin is they won't custody it for you they sell it to you and when they give it to you they give it to you they say please provide a wallet for us to put it in that you control that's nice so they're extra based over there at bull bitcoin yeah i like their mascot too it's almost enough to make you wish you were canadian (laughs) (laughs) it's it's like really close right it's really close it's pretty cool uh what? I, I raise my <laughs> maple syrup bottle to you. That's how you're going to get out of the bullshit. Yeah. One of the ways. How are you going to fight Trudeau? The the trucker thing really opened a lot of people's eyes. They were like, oh, geez, they can't stop this, can they? They stopped all of our bank accounts, but they can't stop this thing. Uh, Let's wrap this thing up, man. U.S. presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. defends Bitcoin mining. Hey. Neat. Yes. The... uh. Comments came on the heels of this retarded Biden administration 30% tax proposal. They want to slap a 30% energy tax only on Bitcoin mining, which Mm. is just hilarious if you think about it. Like, they want to bring out all electric cars, zero emissions. They want to bring out, oh, this factory powered by solar. They want to bring out all of these weird, like, energy cheats where we're just burning fucking coal and then putting it into a Tesla and then saying, oh, well... Zero emissions, baby. Yeah. But then when it comes to Bitcoin mining, 
Oh, it's my environment. Oh, it's my earth. Oh, it's all the fucking woe and dread. Oh, we want to charge you 30% on that shit. Um, well, you know, the big guy has got to get his cut. Uh, his response was in a Twitter thread uh, where he said, uh, cryptocurrencies led by Bitcoin along with other crypto technologies are a major innovation engine. It's a mistake for the U.S. government to hobble the industry and drive innovation elsewhere. Biden's proposed 30% tax on cryptocurrency mining is a bad idea. Yes, energy use is a concern, though somewhat overstated, but Bitcoin mining uses about the same as video games, and no one is calling for a ban on those. True. Or a 30% tax, I might Or a tax, yeah. Uh, the environmental argument is a selective pretext to suppress anything that threatens elite power structures. Bitcoin, for example. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, some advocate tight control of cryptocurrencies to prevent their use by criminals, but it isn't just criminals who want privacy. So do dissidents and or ordinary citizens. Governments harass their enemies and crush dissent by controlling bank accounts and payment platforms until we restore trust in government. A distant prospect, he says. Uh, we need cash and crypto to ensure freedom. Just as a biodiverse ecosystem is a resilient ecosystem, so too will our economy be more resilient if it has a diverse ecology of currencies, not just a single centrally controlled one, we are seeing today how fragile our over-centralized system is. Ooh, RFKJ spitting the fire, spitting the truth. So, yeah. Anyway, man, they want to put 30 points on the fucking... That's ridiculous. Uh, mining? All right. And so that's mining companies, I guess, right? So you got to sign up and say, oh, I'm a mining company. So just like, like all government bans, it will... Uh, drive more of the shit underground, which yep. is cool with me, man. I happen to like the underground. That's all. Uh, speaking of driving things underground, my last one for tonight. Chinese users of the Binance and FTX exchanges show holes in Beijing's crypto ban. You mean you can't ban it? Doesn't work. 19 months after China banned crypto. This is, by the way, out of BNN Bloomberg up there in uh, Scandinavia. Uh, more signs have emerged that its citizens continue to buy and sell digital assets. These glimpses of their trading activities support, support suspicions that some of China's 1.4 bil uh, billion people, yes, that's billion with a B, flout the prohibition Beijing imposed in September of 2021 as they hunt for alternatives to investments like property and stocks. A shadowy role for Chinese demand adds to the difficulty of parsing the outlook for digital asset markets, which have partially revived this year from a 2022 crash pockmarked with bankruptcies like that of the FTX crypto exchange. You remember last summer when everyone's over leveraged and uh, gave us all those six, six smash buys at like fucking 16, 17, 18 K bro. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. By the way, thank you. By the way, let's do it again. Let's do another one. Where's my dip? Where's my dip, dude? I will take 17 K again. I'm ready. I'm fucking hungry. There's a part of me that thinks that shit is over, but uh, if it returns, man, I'll be there. I'll be there buying. Uh, yeah. Essentially, bans don't work, said Carolyn Malcolm, <laughs> yeah. global head of public policy at Chainalysis, which specializes in tracking digital asset transactions. The decentralized nature of cryptocurrencies and the fact that they can be transferred peer-to-peer -peer and traded on global exchanges make it difficult for any government to completely eliminate them. Reminds me of something else I heard about one time called weed you know turns out the government can't ban it no matter how hard they try they try to fight a global war with flamethrowers and helicopters and shit uh and can't beat one seed getting poked into the ground by some dude 
anywhere at any time. Another decentralized delight. I love it. I fucking love it. So yeah, ban the shit. That's cool. China seems to be figuring that out the hard way. Yeah. I'm shocked. So yeah, it's a weird week. What can I say? It's a weird week in Bitcoin. Uh, but my advice, especially if you're setting up a node and you're a newbie and you're dipping your toes in this thing for the first time, first off, get a lightning wallet. Do something like, uh, oh, I don't know. Wallet of Satoshi is probably the easiest one. Uh, but also, all the nude podcast apps are lightning wallets built in. You know, there's one in there. And then uh, go to a meetup. Go to a Bitcoin meetup in your town. It's probably one not that far from you. You just got to look around, ask some people. And, uh, you know, take a few bucks, a few uh, paper money caches, and buy some Bitcoin from some dude there on Lightning. Start that way. Simple as. This whole fee thing will be over. Will it be over right away? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to last. Um, it is making definitely unignorable impacts in the fee environment. And because of that, people are going to make some changes. People are going to make some shifts. More shit's going to go onto the Lightning Network as a result. And I think people will finally figure out that Layer 1 is not the permanent solution for the smaller transfers of Bitcoin. It's just not going to be where that happens. Eventually, it just won't be where it ever happens. Big channels opening and closing is what uh, Layer 1 is going to become eventually. And I don't think it's uh, the place forever for uh, monkey scrotums. But TikTok, next block. I, I still see blocks coming in, and uh, Bitcoin's still churning them out. So there you go. There's your shit stand. All right. That was a hefty one. It was. It was. It really put me in the mood for a... Top three. Uh, before you dive into that 33, though, we did get a couple of boosts, including from Hey Citizen 3414, Sats. Uh, he's coming to us from Podverse, and he said, Just made a very costly refill to my Lightning Wallet. Tears. Oh. oh, brudda. Uh, DM me, man. We can figure something out. I can send you this shit over Lightning at way cheaper. Just gotta g- give me that Monty somehow. Maybe we can figure it out through Cash App or something. We'll figure something out, man. There's a better way. There's a better way. I can get you Bitcoin over the Lightning Network. Uh, 369.69. Oh, no, no. 69.69, dudes! It's coming from Booberry out of Boost CLI. He's also no sweat running his own node. Looking around like hyphy environment. What hyphy environment? He says shitcoin really do be like link to an MP3. yes that sounds like a shit coin to me all hype all hype ass wipes and yeah the only uh real thing to do with a meme coin is to hodl at the very beginning when nobody's ever heard of it and then dump right when people find out about it and get in which is right around now when all the stories are coming out about them and they're jump oh Oh, oh, 2,000%. All these, like, skyrocketing values, you know? It's like trying to start a fire with a fucking Kleenex, you know? And you got some logs, and you're going to start a fire by lighting a Kleenex under some logs, and the Kleenex just goes up, like, in this big flame, and you're like, yeah, 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 and then 
it's gone. Eight seconds later, it's just a piece of ash that blew away. You got no fire. You got no fire, man. Thank you, boobs. I love you, man. Well, in Texas this week, right after 3.30 p.m., there was a 33-year-old who decided to go into a mall and shoot some people. Oh, man. Yeah, the magic number is always all over the uh, scary events and psyops and such. Psyops and 33 go hand in hand, man. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I guess for a third three in that story, three kids were killed. Man. Yeah. Two middle school sisters and a three-year-old boy. Uh, and I think seven people were still in the hospital. But the brother of that seven-year-old is six, and he was shot, and he's going to be fine. But his mom and dad both died. So he lost his entire family. Jesus. And all I can think is, man, that kid's going to be a fucking warrior. Yeah. He's going to rise up from the ashes. But Let's hope so. Right now, that's really, really rough. This is awful, man. Yeah. Praying for that kid. But the cops came in and shot the gunman, so he's dead, as the story goes. <sighs> in uh, not-so-spooky news... DreamWorks Animation has laid off 33 employees after NBC Universal cut costs. See that going around? It is, it is. Lots of places. I was surprised because they've got another Trolls movie coming out and some Cthulhu movie. What else? A bunch of stuff's going on. You gotta maximize profits by minimizing costs. Yeah. Pack your shit. They have 2,700 employees, so it's like... You know, 33, less than, uh, not that many. Not a huge impact, but... Not bad. Yep. And then my final story for the top three 33s comes from New Zealand, where a Kiwi by the name of Jono Riddler set a new ultra-distance marathon swim record after 33 hours in the water. And I guess it got pretty crazy out there. The waves were going up to two meters high. He had a boat following him the whole time. Uh, As a non-swimmer myself, it's really hard to imagine being in the ocean for over a full day. 33 hours. And he was running off of donuts and meatballs, which is a hell of a diet. Before going for a 33-hour swim. Better him than me. He swam more than 80 kilometers. Damn. And broke this record. Yeah. It's put in work. It is. Indeed. And now, let's put in some work behind the curtain. (sighs) (laughs) On this here joint. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, me too. So... Um, The NBA collective bargaining agreement was finalized and came out, and it looks like they're going to block basketball players from promoting weed companies Mm -hmm. or launching their own brands, but this is going to be up for discussion in 2029, so hmm, maybe six years from now you can be an NBA player and start a cannabis company. Weed spokeshole. (laughs) Yeah, but they are allowed to hold passive, non-controlling interest in existing companies. 
And so, smoke weed every day. And smoke weed because, yes, pot has been permanently removed from the league's prohibited substances list. Well, that's the important part, right? It's a step in yes. the right direction after all. After all, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction after all. It is a step in the right direction for that basketball privilege coming gotta, in again. Gotta love it. <laughs> uh, former professional basketball player John Sally was interviewed and the collective bargaining agreement came up. He um, actually has his own weed brand and he's made history in the game. Uh, first player in the NBA to win championships with three different franchises and First player in the NBA to win a championship in three different decades. So he's got that magic number working for him. Captain three over here. Yeah. Well, let's hear what he had to say about the new CBA. To have a rule against a drug that makes the guys not violent, not aggressive, sleep, and not go out, I would want that drug. I would want that stimulant to my players. That's cannabis. But the biggest sponsors were alcohol. And the biggest push against it was China. So they had to appease China because whatever these guys are going to do, the Chinese are going to want to do. And China doesn't want marijuana. I I just wish it showed up in in the places that we need it, like in gun reform. And I I wish it stopped having um, mass shootings and that kind of stuff. If everybody would just smoke some weed, chill out, and go home, we'd be good. Yeah, well, it's hard to argue with that. That's advice to live by. Just smoke some weed, bro. Chill out and go home. Or stay in the bowl. <laughs> I, w- I like that idea of the, the stimulant weed. What was he talking There's some... <laughs> That's the stimulant I want to my players. Yeah. I want the stimulant weed, man. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I know. That was a strange word choice. <laughs> uh... But, you know, I mean, when you think about the other substances that players could use performance enhancers it's just like weed and performance enhancement don't necessarily go hand in hand in my mind it's like a healing thing yeah it's more like like a recovery thing recovery it's not uh enhancing performance right there in the in the zone i mean it'd probably be hard to stay stoned playing basketball real hard you know like i don't know the stoniness overwhelms you when you're just like sitting there letting it wash over you you know yeah as soon as some shit happens and you got to get up and go, like a lot of that stony stuff just falls behind in the background. Yeah, I agree with that. But it is great for uh, practice and like working out and stretching. And Definitely. Exercise. When you're like in the, z- the focus zone. And, and, and recovery after the game, man. Like you just are, all your muscles are ass whipped. You've got lactic acid buildup and you're just aching. And you just uh, you hit the joint. You lay back, kick your feet up, let yourself get better. You know. Yeah, but I like how he snuck China in there. You know, like well, you know, he just couldn't unban weed because China. China is asshole. China is asshole. Surprise, surprise. Even the NBA knows. Yeah, but they don't say it out loud because uh, that's money. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Speaking of money. The American Medical Association just approved a code for psychedelic therapies. So someone's planning on getting some money, or at least reimbursement, maybe. Grant time, baby. Yeah. 
there's really no details other than this came from a collaborated request between Compass Pathways and Maps. Um, you know, the code doesn't really do much until the FDA grants approval to any psychedelic-assisted therapy. Um, but Compass is currently conducting a Phase three program of psilocybin therapy in treatment-resistant depression, and MAPS, of course, has completed two Phase three clinical trials evaluating MDMA-assisted therapy for post-traumatic stress disorder. So, you know, things have been going on, and the research has been uh, carved, chipped away at. Mm -hmm. But, you know, got to wait for these alphabet soups to do something, which is stupid. Right. So the code will go into effect when it's published on January 1st, 2024, and they're hinting that they will be releasing full details about this psychedelic therapy code in July 2023. So... Just a couple months away. I'll have more details for you on it then. Uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention released a study this week looking at pot use in high school. And Man, f- them studies. Prohibitionists always argue that with legalization will come an increase in teen usage. Right. It tends to trend the opposite way. Mm-hmm. An all-time high... Uh, for high school users in this set of years that they looked at, which I believe was 2009 to 2021. 2009 had the highest uh, rate of teens who said, well, I've tried pot. That came in 2013, 40% of teens. Mm. It's not even half. 2021, only 27% of teens said they've tried weed. And then when it comes to daily users or frequent users, in 2009 was the all-time high with 20%, and now it's down to 15. Yeah. It's just not as edgy anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but you know, maybe the kids would be a little bit better off if they just (laughs) chilled out, smoked some weed, and went home. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Not medical advice. It's what the kids got to figure out, you know? Yeah. Not my fucking problem. Exactly. Also not my fucking problem is how they're going to test folks who work at the Department of Transportation. But they have decided that they're going to allow oral drug tests. Because, you know, on a nickel and dime perspective, the oral tests are cheaper than urine tests. Right. Um, But they also sought public input. And people mentioned how, you know, the hair follicle test... The THC is going to stick around there forever. And the urine test could be a month ago, mm-hmm. two months ago maybe, and it's still in there and you're popping positive. Just stop dropping people for weed, man. It would be nice. Just knock it off already. They mentioned that. They said uh, a large percentage of the public comments suggested doing away with drug tests altogether, <laughs> which certainly would have been my comment. However, they uh, threw this little quote in there where they said, It is important to remember that the beginning of DOT-regulated testing in 1988 was prompted by marijuana-related accidents that occurred in 1985. Yeah, sure. Two New York City subway accidents in 1987. One railroad accident in Chase, Maryland. So they've got their reason to cling to the tests and they have to do it and blah, blah, blah. Of course. Well, it's just... 
It's the easy scapegoat, right? Let's blame it on the weed, everybody. Oh, it's really easy to blame it on the weed, that's for sure. Because then you don't have to do anything real to fix a problem. You know, you can say, oh, well, it was weed. Yeah. <laughs> so, they, all of their sources come from the Department of Health and Human Services. Um, but they said in there, with the oral test, THC is generally not detectable 24 hours after use. And I don't have a fact check on that. I've seen different answers all over the place, if that's true or not. In an oral test? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't exactly. really know a lot much about the oral tests, actually. Yeah, me neither. I know about hair follicles, about piss, about uh, taping a cotton ball to a man's arm for <laughs> months at a time. Insane. Blood tests. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the oral test, I don't know. Yeah. They're just trying to... It sounds like they want to do the drug testing when there's an incident. I'm sure to gain employment with the Department of Transportation, you're going to have to pass one also. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're trying to say, like, well, we're not cutting out people who responsibly use weed. It's just, you know, were you high on the job? We need to know. So the oral test will give us that within 24 hours thing. But still, you weren't at work for a whole 24 hours. Yeah, there's just really not a way... I, I think to to fairly assess somebody's ability or somebody's uh, detriment simply by a chemical, you know, makeup alone. Yeah, there's many other factors. Now, if you are uh, impaired at the job, then you have to take responsibility for the accidents that you cause. You know. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you can pass out and hit the ground just by keeping your knees locked for too long. You know, I, I just don't know why it comes back to drugs all the time. And uh, half the country walks around on perfectly legal drugs all goddamn day. Yeah. SSRIs and antidepressants and other kind of fucking mind wackadoo pills, you know. But that's all cool. And they admit, you know, openly and brag about it. They can barely go buy cheese at a grocery store because they get so fucking scared. But like, oh, that's all cool, man. We're removing the stigma. <laughs> Got to remove the stigma. You know? Clown world. And, and meanwhile, what's, where do we shovel the stigma? Over there on fucking weed? Really? I don't get it, man. I me neither. Well, Delaware's state police are looking at how they're going to handle the DUI situation following legalization. And I've brought a clip. The mere smell of marijuana can no longer justify a search on the road. House Bill 1 went into effect on April 23rd, legalizing personal possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. But Delaware State Police can conduct an investigation if the odor is paired with signs of impairment in the driver. DSP Senior Corporal Leonard DeMalto says officers and troopers will conduct roadside sobriety tests similar to those with alcohol. And while there is no breathalyzer for marijuana, there are other methods. An officer or trooper can uh, petition to get a blood search warrant uh, if you are taken in custody for DUI to get a sample of your blood. DeMonto says drivers transporting marijuana in their vehicle should keep it in secure packaging and out of reach. Uh, even if it's in the car and it's visible, I mean, that's that's not illegal now, but it's just like it's just like alcohol. Might be your best bet to just keep it in the trunk, keep it contained wrapped up however you want to keep it. As long as it's unannounced, you should be fine. House Bill 2 also legalized the possession and sale of paraphernalia, but DeMalto says it's safest to keep those items contained and out of reach as well. Yeah, we're not getting rid of the stigma on weed, though. No. <laughs> as long as it, as long as it's unannounced, you should be fine. You should 
be fine. In theory, you know, <laughs> if we're feeling good that day. Just, you know, keep it away from you, out of reach, in the trunk, so that that weed doesn't smoke itself. They're not saying it out loud, but they really want you to put it in your butt. That's the whole <laughs> report. You could tell. You could hear that guy. He wanted you to put it in your butt. Yeah, we just love cavity searching. Yeah. Yeah, and you know who else does? The Minnesota State Patrol. Uh-oh. You know, because uh, legalization may be coming to Minnesota. And so they're also looking at what can we do to keep drivers safe? Because, you know, no one is smoking weed and driving right now. No, oh, Because course. it's not course, legal, yeah. so no one does illegal there's, things. There's nowhere to buy it, and plus you can't even, you know, it's illegal to drive by. Yeah, sarcasm, sarcasm. Uh, and... Their method, like Delaware, this guy was real quick to say, like, well, we'll give you a blood test. Yeah. You know, I hate that. That really freaks me out. The blood search warrant thing is the most dystopian shit. It's like the things vampires dream of. Yeah, exactly. I've got a search warrant for your blood. Fuck off. Not mine. What are we doing? You can take my lawyer's blood. (laughs) Thomas Jefferson rolling over being like, fuck, we didn't think of blood. (laughs) When we wrote the Tushin, man, we didn't think of blood. Yeah. My temple. My body. Oh, my God. uh, It's really freaky. Unreasonable search and seizure, I think, would include your blood, personally. Seems unreasonable to me. That's good thinking, I think. But yeah, so in Minnesota, they're having similar conversations, and they're thinking, we're going to get a bunch of Dre's. You remember the Dre's? No. Drug recognition experts. Oh, my God. <laughs> the DREs. It's the motherfucking DRE. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. You forgot about Dre. I did forget about Dre. Uh, but yeah, that's a, <laughs> it's kind of silly. I ain't even acting. They... um. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way to detect impairment. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Is the bottom line. Yeah, it's a subjective situation. And, like, even even with alcohol, the part where they have it down to the most reasonable science, uh, your your .08 across the board is blackout to certain people and not even impaired to other people, depending on things like... Body mass, tolerance, type of alcohol, speed at which it was consumed, all these different things. Are they, uh, did they eat that day? Are they on an empty stomach or not? Like, there's so many factors, male or female, to where a .08 does a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So just your blood chemistry alone, there's no one-size-fits-all legal approach to that. It's just, there's nowhere you can find fairness in it. Because that's not how people work. That's not how chemistry of your brain and body work. That's all. Yeah. Well, a silly story came out of Massachusetts. You know, everyone's worried about the kids and edibles. Don't eat things that you don't know what they are. Number one thing is you shouldn't be going in anybody's bag. Maybe a suspension, if anything. But, I mean, that's up to the school's decision. In Pembroke, it's what parents are talking about. How a nine-year-old Habamock Elementary student got their hands on a piece of marijuana edible. Hopefully it doesn't happen again and you trust on the people that you send your kids to school with to do their job. The superintendent's... That's your first mistake. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. You trust them, yeah. 
You're going to trust the state to do their job. All right, well. <laughs> but the story gets worse. Like, how did this kid get this edible? Hmm, well, let's find out. People that you send your kids to school with to do their job. The superintendent says a paraprofessional brought a backpack into the classroom with a cannabis product. Parents tell us the boy opened the male staffer's backpack and took the edible. The child a was rushed to the hospital to be checked out and is expected to be okay. The staffer Are you sure? is now on administrative leave. Wait, hold on, Officials hold on. The kid's going to be okay? I mean, he, he ate a gummy. Is he going to be okay? He ate some weed. Oh, well, thank God he made it to the hospital so they could tell him he's going to be fine. I just can't get over that this kid went into a staff member, whatever they are, substitute teacher, staff member, whoever. They went into someone's backpack and took this out. That, yeah, I mean, the kid's got to lose some kind of something for that. Yeah. I don't care what it was. And the staffer can't be bringing no gummies into the school either. That's got to be addressed, too. I mean, it's just unreasonable to do it. Yeah. And it's not that hard just to leave your shit at home, you know? Yeah. Just leave your shit at home. Don't bring it around. And if you do bring it around, make sure it ain't a fucking round. Yeah, exactly. Hello? Because the school's first response is, this kid needs to go to the hospital. Oh, my God. Really, the kid probably would have had a fine day in school just laughing his ass off. Somebody, like, went into that uh, this weekend. I was just talking. Oh? Like, uh, oh, but not kids, though. Not kids. You got to get them checked out right away. It's like. No. What? What? How? So it's weed and they'll fucking be fine. You also just, like you said, need to make sure it's not around for the kid exactly, to find. Exactly. Stop it at the very first. By just keeping that tucked away. And uh, grown-ass adults remember what it was like when you had to keep that tucked away from parents, cops, and society. Like, everybody. Yeah. Everybody but your absolutely fucking trusted close circle. And you only pulled it out when you were in a locked room that was safe or way out in the fucking woods somewhere. I don't understand it, man. Like, keep your head down. Of course, it's uh, fools like that, too, that keep the rest of us pretty safe in the long run yeah. <laughs> from getting fucking True. into a sticky situation. There's always going to be the dummies, man. You're never going to get rid of all the dummies. That's a fact. All right, uh, 18 seconds left on this clip. Leave. Officials say under the drug-free workplace policy, having or using controlled substances and alcohol at schools is strictly prohibited. My opinion, I don't believe the stuff is bad, but it shouldn't be near the schools. Now the police and the State Department of Children and Families will be investigating the incident. So things are going to get really bad for that staffer. It's a reasonable statement, and I think that one that most normal Americans are in line with, including myself. You know? Weed is not a big deal, but there's no reason for it to be in a school. Yeah, I think that's fair. There's no reason. Unless you're smoking in the boys' room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's nothing but trouble. Yeah. And good times. <laughs> anyway, lots of good times here in the show me state. Uh, I've got some clips, man, because weed has just been in the news every single day. They can't get enough of it. More and more, it seems the road to weed leads to Missouri. Hell yeah. It's like running a restaurant. The Greenlight Dispensary just on the Missouri side of the Kansas state line is the McDonald's of marijuana sales, with cars typically 10 or more deep in the drive-thru and workers inside filling orders like they're Happy Meals. That is a gross Whoa. metaphor. 
Like they still got to shill the fucking burger pill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Even that, on the weed stories. You're right. They just brought a different ad into this dispensary ad that's mm-hmm. going on. Orders like their Happy Meals. It was never like this when only medical marijuana was legal in Missouri. No shit. That changed, you know, February 2nd. You know, they opened the doors. Um, we went from a staffing par um, from about, you know, 10 associates to about 35 associates. Um, and we need it. And we need more. Most of the license plates in the parking lot are from Kansas, where marijuana is still illegal. This one location now typically sells more than $100,000 worth of product daily. Three to four times more than Greenlight's busy St. Louis dispensary. All cash, baby. They grow the weed. Here, we suited up to tour a former Kansas City Pepsi plant where there are now tens of thousands of marijuana plants in various stages of production. Statewide sales jumped to $126 million in March, up 22% from the first month of recreational marijuana. We're all growing more right now. Everybody is. So I think we'll be okay. We're just going to have a little lull here for about 90 days. We bought the building behind us as well, and that's (laughs) under construction right now to kind of keep up with growth. Nice. Yeah. See, oh, there's a lull, there's a squeeze, there's hey, a shortage. 90 days and we got a handle. I like my man's attitude. <laughs> yeah. He's got guys working on it as he speaks. There you go. Yeah, they bought the building behind this Pepsi plant that they already bought and are filling with plants. And everybody on the Kansas side just like, all right, now I can get weed. Yeah, exactly. And they're getting weed. And they're getting it. Well, Callie, you had a good run. We're proud of you. Uh, but now the road to lead, weed. <laughs> now the road to weed goes through Missouri, my friend. Yeah, I thought that was a great lead on that segment. Hell of an ad. And you know, you have to get your weed now if you're one of those folks that buys from legal dispensaries because of this next story and what's to come in the future. Legal Missouri 2022 got their recreational marijuana initiative passed back in November. And when they wrote the constitutional amendment, sales taxes were thought out. Counties can collect the tax in unincorporated areas and in incorporated areas, that's up to that municipality. That would be like the city of Kansas City, Missouri. But since the amendment passed, counties have argued they can collect a 3% tax in an incorporated part of the county, saying the taxes can be stacked. Jackson County Executive Frank White wants to be able to collect more money. It was levied to the legislature with the assumptions that all of those legalities were already vetted. And so to hear that they may not have been is very concerning. Jackson County lawmaker Manny Abarca asked about where the county was and whether they'd be able to collect the tax at Thursday's meeting. I can't give you an update on the litigation. I'll defer to the counselor's office if there is any. White was not in attendance, but County Administrator Troy Schulte was. You don't think Frank misled the legislature when he was talking about, yes, you can stack the taxes? No, I think it's still an unresolved issue. And the fact that 20 counties in the state passed it, uh, as well as incorporated cities suggest that we're probably on as solid legal standing as we can. Ultimately, it's up to the courts to decide. The county believes they'd be able to collect about $3 million a year if they're able to when the sales taxes start in October. That's just what we need more money in the county. God damn it. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's what happens. Come on, Frank. Frank wouldn't have misled us, would he? <laughs> no way. Frank. Frank is a good guy. He's got our best interests in mind, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I mean, come on. 
Uh, the initiative was only like seven pages long. I read the whole thing. I didn't like it. I said that from the get-go. But yeah. here we go. Here's the legislators. Oh, I thought it was for sure. I thought it was. Uh, yeah. Their staffers didn't even give them a good summary. I don't know. And here we are. They had a solution in the in the house they could have gone with, but they chose to uh, pussy out. So Yeah, now we have caps. Now we have... Taxes getting stacked. Now we have, you want a homegirl, you've got to ID your plants and ID yourself and pay a troll toll. Lovely. Well, they ain't getting inside this boy's hole, I can tell you that. Amen. And you know where else they might not get inside of is De Pere, Missouri. This was a story that Nam threw at me today. He posted it in the bowl, and I got a little clip from it. Oh, thanks, Nam. Why is De Pere causing me to feel uncomfortable. I'm the resident, I was there first. Residents of De Pere came out in the dozens to protest for one, allowing recreational marijuana dispensaries in the city. And two, if it is allowed, a likely vote in November of next year to vote on banning recreational sales. The city of De Pere is a wonderful place and we need to keep it wonderful. Meet Eileen Bader. You She's can't. one of the residents that came that is not in favor of marijuana being anywhere near the city. Oh, the is she concern, not? Kids getting access to it. Not the kids! When we are oh! addictions, especially for children, we don't need more addictive substances for them to get hooked on and ruin their life. Okay, lady. I think if you want to pair to be the most wonderful place in Missouri, you better get rid of candy, soda, ice cream for sure. Anything, any sweet treats, you know, sugar is addictive and kids really like it. Mm -hmm. Smartphones got to get the fuck out. Smartphones have to go. TVs also. Mm -hmm. Just saying. The pair residents have shown their opinions on pot in the past. While passed statewide with 53% of the vote, only about 49% of residents supported legalization of recreational weed. The state law says you need 60% of voters to approve on banning it. Therefore, it'll likely be a tough climb come November 2024 if it does get on the ballot. Some don't want to wait that long. Focusing on 2024 instead of fighting now tells me our leaders are capitulating. But yet, reasonable people can disagree. And that's Parker Ferguson, who said he started using pot at age 14. Since then, he says he's played college football and is now a student at Harvard Law. So if you'd like to take me as an example of what can happen... You bet I do. ...when marijuana is part of a community, please look to me. Others gave tax reasons why I the city balls, should man. want dispensaries. Yeah. And while some were concerned about people breaking into the business off Manchester, spurring crime, the owner, Joe Delia, says that has not been an issue at other Route 66 locations. We have four operational dispensaries. We've never had one incident in the dispensary. Yet some were clearly not convinced and pointed to cannabis status as a Schedule One drug. Should we have a business in De Pere where every customer and every transaction is a federal crime? No. I know, so much has got to change, yeah. but... Yeah, the reason that uh, that's the case is because the federal government's a bunch of idiots. Yep. But uh, you've got that either way. That's the hilarious shit. That no one, none of these prohibitionists get it, you know? It's almost like their heart's in the right place, but their mind is deep in their ass. <laughs> yeah. They're 
seeing that this legalization rollout or the rollback of prohibition of the substance is going to flush the substance into the hands of children. Like, that's where they go to right away first. They want to be there. They want to, they're ready. Their fucking arms spread out. The hands of children. You know how much harder it is for fucking kids to get a hold of pot when the legal shit, when the legalization rolls out? Yeah, it becomes more difficult because you have to show an ID just to even walk into the place. It's tough. It's not easy. So, I don't know, man. They just don't think it through. They're just uh, ill-informed, you know? Exactly. And it's such an eye-roller when you've been around the block for a decade or more. Yeah. And you just hear the the same same things over and over, and they never prove to be true. It's like... uh, when you say the word Bitcoin and somebody's like, why would the government shut it down tomorrow? You know, like, yeah. I, I have this same feeling of just like closing my eyes for two seconds. I mean, like, oh, Lord, I remember this. Every time. Every time. <laughs> but what about the children? What about the children, man? I'll it's tell you so what, the children are fucking fine. Man. Yeah. You know, we, we. Children never been better. The children, uh, know what a boy and a girl is bro like <laughs> yeah the children know simple shit and uh you tell them stay away from that their pot and the children do it until they start becoming adults that's when they stop doing it and that's when they start doing shit you don't want and uh searching around it's like part of becoming an adult yeah definitely while they're still children they're children you just gotta keep an eye on them and well, fucking guide them yeah exactly i was gonna just say weed is one of my least concerns also oh, when it comes to the children. Absolutely. If a kid does have to get into something in a medicine cabinet, like, okay, at least I know you just got to stay hydrated and chill out. Yeah, I think that's the biggest struggle is culturally we're in a spot where everybody is five alarm on weed ingestion. And uh, everybody should just know. That should just be basic common knowledge. Like, if your kid eats something they're not supposed to, it can be a very big fucking deal, and then you find out it was a weed gummy. And, like, in this story that we heard earlier, just one weed gummy? Yeah. You'd be relieved as fuck. Yeah. That's what I would feel. Huge relief. Oh, fuck, just a weed gummy. All right. Well, we're gonna go home and uh, fucking watch something or, you know, play with blocks until it calms down, and then you're gonna go to bed early. You're gonna drink a shitload of water. Yep. That's all. Like, oh, fuck, I got this. Yeah, exactly. Thank God. It's just some weed. Yeah. Bleach is a lot scarier. Yeah. Kids drinking bleach. I mean, kids do ignorant stuff. Toddlers especially. Looking at you toddlers. You can't dummy proof it for any ages, young or old, you know? Yep. The dummies are out there. And the pain is how we learn, too. Yep. Yes, this is a good point. And a nerfed society makes a bunch of weak people. Like, I'm not saying we have a free-for-all. I'm just saying, like... The bans don't help. The bans don't accomplish the goals that you purport, uh, purport to be aiming for here. The bans actually make all the shit you're bitching about worse. Because then it's only shady motherfuckers that are doing the transactions. Yeah. Then, if you find weed, you also find a whole bunch of worse shit. But they're like, oh yeah, you're getting this one, you get this too, you get this too, you get this too. That's where you're fucked. That's called prohibition. Precisely. Well, in legal states, the state gets to just worry about what they're going to spend their tax money on from all this weed that's selling itself. And in Montana, Governor 
Greg Gianforte had a bill on his desk that would have given 20% of pot revenues to help counties fund construction and repair of rural roads and give a share to a wildlife habitat improvement project along with other random conservation work. And he decided to veto that bill. Mm. He, his reason for the veto was that it's inappropriate to use state money for local responsibilities like roads. <laughs> Isn't that kind of gross? Passing the road buck. <laughs> He's like, wait, I don't that's know, man. my tax money. I would not say the little man's. <laughs> I would say I would be incredibly nervous as any government official trying to shirk the roads thing. Right? Like, yeah. Roads is your bread and butter. Roads is like the fucking foundation argument for your fucking existence yeah. in the first place. Roads keeps people paying their taxes. If you shake a normie vigorously and try to like dust the fucking government brainwash all the way off them, you'll find that their white knuckle grip under all of that boot sucking is around my roads. And that's just where it's fastened. And they will give in to any fucking argument about, well, the government, does they really need to be in this? Do they really need to be in this? Do they need, do they need to be in education? Does the government really need to be meddling with fucking health care if they really helped out with that? Does the government need to be in charge of, but the roads? Mm. It always comes back to the roads. So if you're going to take the roads and be like, well, the roads aren't our problem, then you just ran out of fucking problems, my friend. Close your doors <laughs> yeah go home we yeah. no longer need your shit we'll see what becomes of him and his term is up but also in this bill it looks like um it would have sent more funding towards a state account that provides assistance for veterans and their surviving spouses independence also which is something that we had brought up veterans mm -hmm. is a Good place for weed tax money to go. And Missouri definitely has been leading the charge on veterans getting a piece of the pie. Yeah. I'm not sure about other states, but here's an example of a bill that would have given some of that money to vets and governor decides to veto it. What a shit heel. So um, two thirds of the legislature can vote to override the veto. Yep. But it. In Montana, it seems to depend on when the veto occurs. There's like a timing that has to take place. They have to do this override before that day's session ends, you know, before they adjourn. Right. And the governor delivered the veto right before they were adjourning, so no one knew that the bill got vetoed. What a and cheese whiz, dude. Now, um, they're trying to see if the Secretary of State might be able to poll lawmakers by mail and get them all to the two thirds yeah. to say, Hey, yeah, I'd veto it and see if they, or I'd override the veto, see if they can do it that way. But it's not clear if that's going to happen. That's just fucking shady. There should yeah. not be a way to sneak something through like that. Cause it's just dishonest. Exactly. I think it's like, okay, governor veto something. You need two thirds of the legislature to override it. Right. End of story. You figure out the time. It should not matter that well, they were already adjourned. If if you're going to have to say it's got to be overridden in the same session, you have to have like a fucking seven-day sunset on the end of that that just says, hey, any vetoes in the last seven days of session, either next session or, you know, here they would just call an override session. 
Yeah. The speaker would just say, all right, we're going to be calling a special session. We're going to override some vetoes of this motherfucker and uh, everybody be there on August 2nd or whatever, you know? Yeah. And then they just knock it out. Yep. Well, but yeah, there's a, there has to be a turn. <laughs> yeah. You don't just get to skip dude's turn. They're the motherfucking legislature. All right. We have the separation of powers and you don't just get to play a card that skips one of those powers turn. Fucking ignorant. It is. Come on, it's just basic government, people. Now it's just... Pull your head out of your ass. A story, you know, a media circus, because it's like, what's going to happen next? Will they get their chance to override it? Are they screwed? They better get their goddamn chance. Tune into the news tomorrow to find out. Dirty tricks, bro. Fuck your dirty tricks. Everybody sees the dirty tricks, so it's just to be like, yeah, your dirty tricks are tossed out. Invalid. Yeah. Invalid. I just think it looks all bad on the governor. Of course. Yeah, yeah. he looks like a total like, ass. My roads. <laughs> Sneaking it past the legislature. Yeah. Taking it away from vets. Fuck, You're man. a bad man. <laughs> what, who you got up there running the shit, Minnesota? Bring back the, uh, bring back Jesse Ventura, man. This is Montana, babe. Oh, God damn it. I did it again. Yep, Montana. Didn't I do that two weeks ago? Montana. Who do you got running Montana? Hopefully not this next person. I can't even name anyone ever. (laughs) I'm like thinking. Here's a dumb, dumb story for you. And this was on every news channel this week. I deserve a dumb, dumb story. Out of New York. Usual sniffing the ground and just looking at everything. And then when I got back to the apartment, about an hour later, he was non-responsive, was asleep, didn't move. And I woke him up and his eyes were really unfocused and his head was just moving like this constantly. Vets say they have seen this kind of thing triple in the past five years. Dogs getting sick from marijuana. It has happened to Colleen Briggs' dog, Bondi, three times. Oh my God. She's been very upset about it and worried about her poodle. Once again, this is a miniature all-white poodle. Do you remember? It was just, I think, two bowls ago that we had a miniature all-white poodle named Toodles who Uh OD'd on fentanyl. Uh So they're doing it again with the mini poodle. They're bringing... The poodle's doing the rounds, bro. What is this? What is this dog? They gotta feed him some Ambien next or something. It's like, they just know. Yeah, and three times? Three times, man. Your dog found three joints? Okay, like, all right, one time you're like, damn, we really fucked up, right? And then you change the whole operation. And then there's no time to. Right. Right? Isn't that just a reasonable thing for grown-ass people? Three times. It's crazy. Like, where are you walking your dog, though? Like, look around and pick up that cash crop that's just laying everywhere, I guess. Bro, if your dog scored three fucking... I don't know, bro. I don't get it. My dog is our miniature poodle, who looks exactly like these two featured on the news, is a weed hound. And if someone puts a stash somewhere he'll find it but he doesn't eat it he just like brings it back to us he was a hilarious bar dog he still is he was a great companion in the bar yeah yeah indeed all right 30 seconds left on this clip dogs are bobbing their heads around they're drooling their eyes are widely dilated they look 
so deranged. And then, of course, they might start urinating or defecating, a very classic sign of THC toxicity. Keep a close eye on your dog and what he or she is picking up. Could it be a French fry or could it be the end of a joint? And sometimes <laughs> it's the end of a joint and the people don't know. Marijuana poisonings don't usually kill dogs, but symptoms are scary. Treatment can be expensive, an emergency room visit, a stomach pump, or IV. Enjoy the pot. Keep it away from your dogs. That's a side effect of the marijuana poisoning. Yeah, it's... Once again, like, they're still trying to ramp up the fear around it. Yep. It's scary. Yeah. They might have to hydrate your pet. They literally snuck Ugh. in that it doesn't kill them. Exactly. They but had they to cop it with... It in. Oh, it usually doesn't kill them. Like, okay, well, how often does it actually kill them? I'm incredibly curious to know. How often does it actually kill them? Meanwhile, oh, stomach pump. Yeah, we can bill you for that. Uh, IV, definitely put that on the ticket. They needed it, man. Yeah. The only thing scary is the vet cost. Yeah. After you bring your dog in and say, oh, they ate some weed stuff. They ate some weed, man. <laughs> and then you get your dog worked up. You make your dog act weird. Yeah. Well, I like how she's like, they're drooling. They're peeing. They're pooping. I'm like, oh, they're being a dog They're a dog? Still? They're just a little shithead dog? <laughs> Piss on your floor? Is it a french fry or oh is it God. the end of a joint? My dog has been poisoned. He's <laughs> peeing on my floor. Uh, Ay, yeah, yeah. Well, also in New York this week, Governor Kathy Hochul signed legislation increasing the civil and tax penalties on unlicensed weed shops as part of the 2024 budget. So they did get it all figured out. The Office of Cannabis Management now has full authority to go into these unlicensed shops, take whatever they want, seize the products, and seek injunctions to close them down. Then the Department of Taxation and Finance can issue fines and penalties up to $20,000 a day. Damn. So they're going to shut them down one way or another. And, you know, they had a little uh, press conference about the budget. And New York City Mayor Eric Adams had very enlightening words to but speak. But also addresses the need for increased enforcement on the emerging cannabis market. This has become a problem throughout the entire state, if not the entire country, and it's more than just selling illegal cannabis. It is driving some of our uh, robberies and our commercial establishments. It is driving some of the shootings. It's a cash-only business, so it's creating its own industry of violence, and by cracking down on the illegal, illegal cannabis market, it is going to allow us to really prosper from the work we, already have done, we have done to make sure those who are doing it the legal way are able to grow the cannabis industry in this city. <laughs> they kind of get up more than four. Yeah, right? They should probably try to get more than four going. There's over a thousand smoke shops where you can buy weed sure. that don't have licenses, you yeah. know? So, of course. And then this just this whole notion of storefront weed leads to violence. But not if they're licensed. <laughs> it's fucking excellent, isn't it? Isn't that such a joke? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, the way that guy talks is already foolish enough. Mm -hmm. But then you listen to his words, and it's, is this for real? Yes. Must be. Sadly, it is. <laughs> Must be for real, man. 
Who could make this uh, shit up? Uh, maybe one of Laura Ingraham's writers. Oh, no. Yeah, I brought a Laura clip. Weed legalization. You see it in California. You smell pot everywhere in, in San Francisco. I smell it everywhere in New York. But obviously, there's an increase in psychosis and schizophrenic uh, uh, disorder with fact? regular weed use. It's all the research has already been done on this. This experiment Weird. is also not helping the situation. I totally agree. And we're seeing it here in Arizona as well with the legalization of marijuana. And you see increase of crime, vagrancy, homelessness. And that's an interesting thing because as conservatives, you know, 10 years ago, if you'd asked me about the marijuana issue, I would have said, OK, yeah, I guess live and let live. In reality, it makes us less free, not more free. Go because fuck yourself. Then all of a sudden you have a culture and a society where you're not restraining people, but you're embracing licentiousness. You're you're actually pointing people uh, towards uh, uh, the worst of all things. And we celebrate that substance is if it's good for you. In reality, it's incredibly damaging to young developing minds. And we're seeing now the test has been done. The laboratories of democracy. Yeah. We have the test results over the last decade. More violence, more crime and more kids with suicide and depression since the legalization of marijuana. And the cartels are richer. Yeah. And it smells. And it smells. And she it can't smells. get off the smell. OK, first off, right out of the fucking gate. She can't get over the smell. She says San Francisco smells like weed. New York smells like weed. no. San Francisco smells like shit, and New York smells like pee. <laughs> yeah. And if you catch a whiff of weed during your time smelling shit in San Francisco or pee in New York, it's a pleasant break. It's a pleasant interruption. Seriously. From what the city actually smells like. Also, let me just interrupt real quick. That was Charlie Kirk talking to her. What a douchebag. What a fucking retard. Oh, I This know. motherfucker just said... As a conservative, he would have been live and let live like 10 years ago. Which already is a hilarious statement. But now we're less free because we don't, what did he fucking say? Bind people? Restrain people? I think restrain was the word he used. We're less free because we don't restrain people. Are you fucking retarded, son? Run yeah. that back to yourself, man. What a dumb fuck, dude. Yeah, seriously. That's probably the most ignorant shit I've heard on weed. And you know who else was on the screen that didn't say anything throughout that whole topic of weed coming up? Uh, Candace Owens. No. <laughs> who? Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard. Okay. She looked, uh, she was just, uh, you know. Squirming? Waiting for her. Staring at the wall. Yeah, like, okay. this is pretty stupid, you guys. <laughs> she had that look on her face. Oh, man. But I, it would have been great if she'd interjected and just been like, excuse me, let's uh, shift to, you're talking about nut jobs, let's talk about prescription pills. <laughs> I mean... I mean, that's who pays the bills, so no one will ever do that, but... It's just so insulting. To yeah. Like, oh, I'm a freedom conservative, but, uh, you know, this weed thing. Oh, yeah. Like, and then just using the word licentiousness. You don't give a fuck about freedom. All these guys in the front line of the of the fucking oh my my hardline conservative. They they're never talking about more freedom. They're never talking about more freedom. They're always talking no. about the next thing we can ban or the next we people we could shut no, up. They're talking about regulation at every step oh, yeah. of everything. Yeah. Both sides. Regulation. The Uniparty. Let's make some more laws. Let's put some laws on it. Yeah, exactly. Fees off it. Get some laws on it. Fees off of it. Sucks. It's fucked, dude. It is. Freedom. That is actually what we want, but you have no fucking idea what it even means because you think we're less free when we don't restrain people, you fucking mong! 
I knew you'd love that one. Oh my god, it gets me fucking going, dude. As soon That's as the I said dumbest Laura. thing I've heard today. Well, this week. What do you expect from Laura's show? She's I like, expect to want to shoot myself by the end of it every time. A Nancy Grace wannabe. She's like if Nancy Grace was boring as fuck, had no personality, <laughs> had a personality of a fucking unsalted cracker. And it smells bad. Uh, Stank. Uh, I'm Laura Ingram. And I have opinions. I read them right off of the teleprompter. <laughs> yeah. I speak as though I almost believe them. It's unbelievable. You believe that I believe that this is what I believe. Yeah, she's just part of the outrage machine. A joke. In Ohio, advocates are gathering signatures again for legalization. And this is the initiated statute from the Regulate Marijuana-Like Alcohol Coalition. So they gathered half of their signatures last year, and then the legislators got their statute to do what they wanted with. And what did they do? The lawmakers, they chose to just ignore it. So now the ball is back in the court of these activists, and they need to gather the second half of signatures, 124,000 signatures from 44 of Ohio's 88 counties, and they got to get them in in two months. I don't know if they're paying people, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, weed is a hot topic. That's a narrow window. But two months and 124000 out of half of the counties. Eesh. Yeah, better quit your job and just hang out at the post office all day. Yeah, seriously. The craziest part is this initiated statute. It's not permanent like a constitutional amendment. So if it makes it to the ballot and passes, the legislators can turn around and just put forth a new law that outlaws pot or changes the provisions of this statute and just reverse the whole thing if they wanted to. So it just seems like a lot of time and effort for something that could so easily be overturned. Mm-hmm. But, Sounds like government to me, baby. Yeah. And, you know, the Regulate Marijuana Like Alcohol Coalition, except... Oh, they want to regulate. Oh, let's regulate. <laughs> Except, you know, limit licenses, limit numbers of dispensaries, limit what you, how many uh, plants you could have, yeah. if you can have plants, how much can you have at one time, you know, possession. Yeah, what can you smoke it out of? Can it be flavored like anything? <laughs> I know. Do you gotta, crazy. You got to come inside when the street lights come on, that kind of thing. I can't believe that they don't weigh the bottles of alcohol as I'm buying them. You know, like, oh, you can only have uh, five gallons of alcohol. <laughs> Long in you, a month. As long as you have less than a gallon, you'll be fine. Yeah. should be fine. <laughs> Just keep it in the trunk. Yeah. Don't let nobody see it now. <laughs> Pretend you ain't got it. Don't be going out and using it. Yeah. In Oklahoma, the governor, Kevin Stitt, signed a bill giving law enforcement authority to combat illegal pot cultivation. So I am not exactly sure what this bill gives them for freedoms that they didn't already have, it, it kind of feels more like a memo. You know, like, it says, you now have full authority to investigate and enforce violations of the medical weed laws on the books. And, like, if you find weed that's not in the track and trace system, that's a black market weed or just wasn't properly tagged, you can seize that. And so I'm thinking, could they not before? 
I have no idea. It's weird. Uh, It also says that it is illegal for cultivators to hire undocumented immigrants anywhere on a property where weed is being grown. Okay. Which I believe it's already illegal to hire undocumented immigrants. Whether you're Taco Bell or Farmer Joe or anybody. Yeah, that's the... That's what makes them illegal immigrants. Now, the one thing here I see is it says that agencies can perform unannounced on-site inspections of any facility. That shit's so weak, dude. And that does kind of feel like a get-around for getting a warrant. Of course. So I guess that the bill has given them that power. Um, And it also is extending the moratorium on new grow licenses until 2026 so that Law enforcement has time to find and shut down all these illegal farms. <laughs> yeah. It's Hydra type shit, man. You shut one down and then oh, now yeah. you have three. Exactly. You just split the factions. scattered and made a new one. Yep. So, I mean, cool. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck dismantling and banning it. <laughs> in Oklahoma, you've got the cartel in there. You've got... China in there, and then you've just got regular people doing the regular traditional market thing. So hilarious, man. Like, uh, I think you have a chance at snuffing all this out. (laughs) Now that it's less banned than ever, they're going to finally get it done. (laughs) Yeah, total joke. so cute. What's also cute is that all the wonks were right. The Oregon Secretary of State, Shamia Fagan, did resign. Day after last bowl, I believe. Damn. Um, she issued her public apology. She quit her side job with Lamota, doing the weed stuff in other states, and then resigned. Oh, why not just so, resign and keep this shit? I know. That's what I thought. Seems a little stupid. I feel like she was trying really hard not to resign. I mean, she recused herself from the audit, which brought this to attention, to media attention, and then, uh, well, and then the media did that hit job on that on the weed company, right? Being slumlords, basically, mm. or you know, owning squatter houses, right, right. Um, but now yeah, she resigned, and there was a statement just saying, like, well, her resignation is the first step in restoring trust in government, which <laughs> okay. is quite laughable. Yeah, that's cute. Following her resignation, a story came out that the co-owner of Lamota, the wife was emailed a few times by the Secretary of State with the language describing the scope of the state audit that they Mm, were performing. And she gave some advice on how to edit that language, which ultimately did end up in the final form. Damn. So to me, like, I think maybe she heard that they had that on her and she's like, well, I have no choice to resign before that story comes out. Because if that story came out and then she resigned... That might seem weaker, but either way, it was just a crazy, crappy situation where, yeah, you know, the people decided, no, nope, no, nope. you know, you, she try. It seemed like she tried to take all the steps to not break any ethical boundaries, but nope. Except that last one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess uh, looking for advice on the wording of an audit from a weed company that's subject to the audit. That's that's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in Harker Heights, Texas, the voters overturned the city council's repeal of their decriminalization by one vote. Woo! However, 
the media keeps saying this may not be the final count of, of the votes. Not. We ha- we're yeah. probably going to recount, and we still have mail-in ballots coming in. Oh, yeah, and there the f- you go. Yeah, I know, right? A huge dump of them, I'm sure, in yeah, vans. big, massive dumps. And the final canvas of all votes is May 16th. Seems like a long time from when the, uh, yeah, the could, voting day was. Get but, all their fucking numbers in a row. Yeah. So, just to recap. If all they got to do is make one vote, man, that shit's in the bag. Yeah. Exactly. This fucking shit again. The voters approved Proposition A all the way back in November, which decriminalized low levels of weed. Then the city council went and repealed it. And the activists came together, gathered petition signatures to overturn it, and May 6th was the day of that vote. So it was also, like, confusingly worded, which I'm sure was on purpose, where a yes vote would certify the city council's decision to repeal decriminalization, and a no vote would reverse the repeal. I don't know. It was crazy, and we'll see what happens, because right now they're just up by one vote. They'll keep redoing it until they fuck us. Yeah. Well, you know. And the city council just said, well, it's against state law, so we can't have this. Which, whatever. Whatever, Texas. Whatever, man. (laughs) In Washington... State Governor Jay Inslee signed a bill expanding their weed social equity program. The one takeaway I saw from this that was interesting is that non-social equity license holders can submit a social equity plan with no description of what that plan entails. But if you submit a social equity plan, you can be reimbursed for the annual renewal fee of your license. Okay. That seems like a good deal. Yeah. I would probably draft one up if I was holding a license instead of paying that annual fee. Fucking A. Yeah. He, Inslee signed another bill, uh, that trigger bill that we talked about, which would legalize interstate weed commerce whenever the feds say it's okay. So now California, Oregon, and Washington all have cross-border weed trade laws on the books. Mm. Very nice. In Kent, Washington, their city council passed an ordinance to locally ban drug possession. So, this is for drugs other than weed. Okay. It's now a gross misdemeanor if you get caught with some drugs. Damn. (laughs) And uh, you get the choice of going through treatment (laughs) uh, to get your charges dismissed or just paying the charges. Okay. It didn't say anything about jail time. What What did it used to be? Uh, Did they say what it, like, changed from? I mean, it was just, uh, possession was decriminalized, so... Ah, so they're putting it back on. Yeah, they're putting it back on Step in, in the wrong direction. Yeah, well. Can't have nice things, you know? <laughs> yeah. Can't be free. Can't have nice things, because that's where it was, Kent, Washington. Kent, Washington. Oh, uh, you want to hear a prick? A real prick? <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm already mad. <laughs> yeah, why not turn it up a notch? <laughs> I remember being in New York City. You can't walk anywhere without being assaulted with the stench of marijuana. Ah, uh, this again. That's absolutely right, Rita. I had some friends from London visiting in New York recently. I had four children all under the age of 10. And one of the children actually said out loud, what is that smell? I said, it's the smell of failure, which <laughs> may be 
um, his mother mouthed, thank you. Oh, how me. devilishly clever. That's the smell of failure. That's the smell of failure. Like, I need a Brit talking about the way America works. Or how failure smells. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at the king, come on. Bro. Uh, you can smell your failure from across the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. That just popped up uh, from Sky News Australia and tickled my funny bone. <laughs> my nationality represents your failure, bro. His, uh... Get fucked. His name is... Douglas Murray, and he seems to be quite the neocon, but he's got a lot of books under his belt. What is it with, like, these stuck-up women with too much money while all of a sudden talking about, ooh, it smells like weed, and it's like some fucking awful experience that ruins your day. Yeah. You just notice it smells like weed. Kind of like you just, I mean, there's other smells that you smell throughout a day, right? You yeah. smell gasoline when Some you're pumping gas. Driving through industrial areas and it smells like dog food or whatever they're making there. It's always gross. I'm trying to think of like Sewage. nuisance smells like that. I remember there's a big uh, big to-do about the sriracha plant and like the neighborhood surrounding the sriracha mm. plant. And, and there's like, oh, the fucking pepper smells all time, all day. Uh, like, uh, I don't know, man. Smells a smell. Like, go in your house, man. Yeah, spray some perfume. <laughs> you just can't handle like smelling some weed Hide you under know? your face diaper I don't fucking understand it man uh, One final story for Behind the Curtain tonight Ending on a high note Okay In Uganda the Constitutional Court Overturned the country's ban On weed, bush cocoa And cot So they've got their <laughs> wow. good drugs back Nice Yep, yep. It uh, nullified the entire Narcotics, Drugs, and Psychotropic Substances Control Act of 2016 on the grounds that it was passed without the required quorum in Parliament. Yeah. Yep. Nice. They got their weed. Finally, a law bites the dust. Wow. In Uganda, of all places. <laughs> I mean, shit. <laughs> take a look, America. Hey, we'll take the wins where we can get them, you know? Get it out of the book. All the damn prohibitions and laws. Mm-hmm. We'll take the boost where we can do them, too. Uh, Fletcher's been slapping some pins down over there. Hey, now. You see that? Uh, we had 840 from Fletcher out of Fountain. Woo. A side effect of the marijuana poisoning, he said, with a link to a wave file. Do you want to buy everything on the McDonald's menu and smoosh it together into a big ball and then eat it with a knife and fork with me? Yes. A million times, yes. <laughs> uh, that can happen. It can. To the best of us. And the rest of us. 1680 sats from Fletcher. Again, out of fountain. He said, some of that sticky, icky, icky. Two-minute loop of still Dr. Dre beat. Okay. Nice. I will uh, definitely be putting that to some sort of a use. Yes. And <laughs> then the latest, three minutes ago, 2100 sats out of fountain from Fletcher saying... Man, they can regulate this stick. <laughs> They'll try. Uh, they can try. They can try, but this uh, the stick ain't gonna be regulated, bro. I don't know. I don't know. There's a certain will inside where once you're born, it's a little late. It's a little late. But these regulations, man, a lot of work to keep up with all that. You know what else it's work to keep up with? Where the Rev Cyber Trucker is at any given moment. He's rolling all around. 
He's delivering what you need where it needs to be, including a metal moment to the bowl every Tuesday night. We are so blessed. And uh, tonight, of course, no exception. Here's the Rev. In the bowl and in the morning. This here is Sir Reverend Cybertrucker and Kenny and Grogu with this week's Metal Moment. I declare May to be mandatory Metallica month, and all month long I'm going to be featuring songs by Metallica. Going back to 1986, Metallica released its third studio album, and unfortunately the last album featuring bassist Cliff Burton. Peaking at number 29 on the Billboard 200 and gaining widespread acclaim from critics, Master of Puppets was perhaps one of their best albums. And this song is considered to be one of their finest. From the 1986 album Master of Puppets, this is Metallica, Master of Puppets. classic mandatory metallica month i like that there you go kicking it off yeah absolutely well thank you rev bringing us the mandatories and all the other lovely moments along the way week after week bowl after bowl you can keep up with what sir reverend cyber trucker is doing at any given moment by yeah uh, going following him on no agenda social he's at rev cyber trucker at no agenda social.com cheers to you rev and, uh, damn, do I have a, do I have a horn for the Rev? Where's you my, do somewhere. It's my horn for the Rev. If it was up your butt, you'd know. Yeah, you're probably right. There we are. Uh, cheers to the bowlers, too. Calling in, sneaking in a story for the, uh, first time they ever told a yo mama joke. We have a beat for that. Is that right? Yeah, first time I ever beat. Oh, gee, many Christmas. Beep, beep, beep. That's great. The first time. The first time I ever. First time I ever. A shout out to Fletcher for that. Uh, first time I ever did a thing. First time I ever remembered all the jingles. I was so proud of myself for remembering the 
the boost one. And then I fell asleep <laughs> on the FTI one. Good God. Someday I'll nail them all. Uh, and then we'll know that we can finally quit the show. Okay. Here's somebody who'll never quit the show. Well, I'm currently on route to throw away a used condom that I found outside of my shop last night. So there you go. Oh, <laughs> first time for everybody. Sometimes it's the morning after. It was your first time. There you go. <laughs> the, the, the condom energy was strong last week. I don't know what that was all about. Thank you, caller, for the update. Appreciate you. Hope you're well. Uh, next caller. I like the question. My answer is really boring and sad, but but the question is good, and I very much look forward to hearing other answers. That's okay. going to be the best part of this. <laughs> but oh, oh, and hey, in the bowl, everybody. I forgot to say that in the bowl. So, but my answer sucks because I can't remember ever telling a your mama joke. Oh, like ever. I've heard a lot of them. Yeah. And and I laugh at them, and they're funny, but I've never told them, number one, because I don't generally tell jokes very much. I don't remember them well. I just kind of suck at it. Okay. Um, I'm more of a narrator, I suppose. But also because um, a lot of, you know, you, you start telling your mama jokes, and you're opening yourself up to uh, reciprocity, shall we say. Yeah, sure. So a lot of those your mama jokes begin with, yo, mama, so fat, yeah. right? And thing is, my mama was so fat, <laughs> and as much as it pains me, I, I mean, seriously, it, it's hard to say this, it, uh, I, I used to be embarrassed about that, yeah. that my mother was fat, so I didn't joke about it, because I didn't want to be joked at, and um, I mean, it, it's been a long time since I was embarrassed about it, but she was always embarrassed about it, until the day she died, she was, um, yeah. and it hurt her. Uh, physically and emotionally and so forth. And so it's not something that I was prepared to joke about. So I always backed off the Yamama jokes. But um, I'm looking forward to hearing some of them. So, uh, you know, as always, in the bowl. In the bowl. In the bowl. Yeah, it's kind of like a battle. Yeah. A little joke battle that opens up. And uh, I don't know. Some people take that incredibly the sideways. Um, like to the point where they'll try to fight you and stuff, you know, which is, I always find hilarious. It's like, you know, that your mama jokes isn't really actually about yo actual mama, bro. Right. It's just kind of like a concept thing, you know, you know, like if you step on a sidewalk crack, like your mama doesn't literally fall down and break her back. As far as you know, I know know (laughs) for sure. I tested this out. Trust me. Oh. Doesn't work. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Just a myth. Uh, you remember your first your mama joke? I do. I do. I think it might have been my only <laughs> your mom joke I ever made. And it was uh, on the playground at my private school. So pre-third grade. I'm going to guess first grade. There was this boy that was always mean to me. Like, it started in kindergarten, he would just pull my hair all the time. Then one day, he was hell-bent on cutting my hair with scissors, 
And I always really loved my long hair. I still do. I still like my hair. And I don't want to cut it short. So when he came at me with the scissors, I turned my face and he sliced my cheek open. And it was like a whole thing. You know, because there's a lot of blood that comes out of your face. Mm -hmm. But it didn't really hurt that bad. And I was like assuring everyone. I was like, I'm fine. It looks bad. It's not that bad. But he got in a lot of trouble, obviously. And then on the playground one day, he punched me. And <laughs> that was really the last straw. I was like, you know what? I'm not taking shit from this kid anymore. Like, next time he comes up to me, I'm just going to hurt him before he has an opportunity to hurt me. And I was telling my <laughs> papa about it, my great-grandpa, and he's like, well, you know what you should do? Just make fun of his mom. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That's a good idea. So I started asking around for, how can I make fun of this kid's mom? And... I think it was one of my friends who had older brothers or something. She's like, just say that his mom is so fat when she fell, she cracked the sidewalk. And I was like, oh, yes, that is so good. And so he came up to me on the playground like a week after the punch incident. And I was like, hey, Justin, your mom is so fat when she fell, she cracked the sidewalk. And he just looked at me and was like, okay, and just left. <laughs> and then I never told her your mom joke again because it just wow. it just didn't hurt him the way I wanted it to. He just needed the wood. Yeah. And then anytime someone, uh, well, you know, people would tell me your mom jokes and I always thought it was funny. But then uh, I found out, you know, like my bio mom situation. And then I'd always just be like, well, my mom's dead. And that always shuts down the your mom joke conversations really quick. Yeah. But I'm not... I'm not sensitive to them. Like, I think they're funny still. Yeah. But I also kind of like to see people's reactions and, like, catch them off guard with the... Yeah. My mommy's a skeleton. There's comment. a certain setup for a joke that's pointed at, like, sensitive places on purpose, but it's in... It's a benign action, you know? Yeah. It's part of what makes it funny, is that it's harmless. And then if you, like, insert the harm in there, that's you putting it back in where it actually isn't. Yeah. Kind of a thing. But... Then it's easy to do because you get, you know, anytime you're like, oh, my mom's dead. And I've heard a lot of people do that over time. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, me too. It's, it's a clever, it's just as funny, really, if you think about it. It's like fighting that same humor at the, de at the opposite angle and you're shutting it down and you don't actually give a fuck, but you're like, oh, I can like poke fun at your fun this way, but then make you feel awkward. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, what a, isn't that such a weak your mom joke, though? Yeah, it's she pretty fell bad and one. put cracks in the cracks sidewalk. In the sidewalk. <laughs> well, I mean, they all, because the first your mom joke you hear is like kindergarten, first grade, second grade, sometime in there, you know? Yeah. Like, when you're super young and dumb and you don't really understand humor a whole lot, unless it involves like poop and pee or something, you know, like, just on the very base level of humor, farting, you know, something like that, the wacky stuff. Double, double, wacko. Yeah, that kind of thing. Something like this next color, the wacky. Oh, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday, Tuesday. Tuesday. Research by the and damn DeLorean. How about them apples? How about them? Yeah, first your mom joke. I mean, of the normal ones, like your mom was so fat when she sits around the house, she sits around the house. Yep. <laughs> and then your mom was so stupid jokes and whatnot. It actually, I actually have a Your Mama book joke that I remember getting like on vacation. It was a bookstore, and I grabbed it. But, like My parents said we could go get a book under a certain price or whatever, and I had it. And I was going to go home and grab it and read a few, but 
some stuff came up and I'm watching some nephews and nieces. So, ah, uh, but anyway, next time. Uh, but I do remember like starting to read some of them. Like I remember being in the car and reading some of them and, uh, also, I was like, oh, this is, like, not just a normal fat joke or whatever, because I remember one of them was, like, something like, your mama's so loose. Or something like, your mama's so loose, she wears a, she uses a roll of tape, paper towels as a tampon or something like that. So, Damn. So, so one of them, my parents was like, what? And I was like, oh, yeah, I read it wrong. And then I went back to, like, the normal ones, because I just noticed, like, the normal ones, because I was younger. And, yeah. So, anyway. Happy that. Well. I hear kids uh, inside making some noise. Oh, but I go back. But uh, love you guys. Stay dangerous. And, you know, whether it's your mama or your dad or your uncle, whatever it be, go ahead and give a little caca! Christopher Caca battles. Caca! At it again. Staying dangerous. Thank you, sir. A whole book on a man. That's nice. It'd yeah. Whip out some devastation on some people. Your mama's so, oh! It could happen. It could happen to this next caller, even. <laughs> I was saying uh, to uh, Siri, call bowlers and speaker, and uh, kept telling me I can only call one person at a time. Oh, you can only uh, call. Siri's <laughs> um, <laughs> the first, the first uh, yo mama joke. Um, I don't recall that, uh, but. I do recall going into uh, the bookstores in the mall uh, when I was sick and tired of uh, being at the mall with my mom and my sister. Yeah. And I would disappear and go to, like, a bookstore when they used to have, like, Borders and Barnes and Noble, I guess, was around the mall, too. Uh, I'm trying to think. There was a couple other ones. I can't remember the names of them right now. But uh, I'd instantly go to, like, the comedy section for... Uh, I go look at the magazines, uh, like the PC magazines, or uh, I would go sometimes to the like the programming area. They have stuff for back then. I had like an Apple TV. Okay. Uh, they didn't have a lot of stuff in the bookstores that dealt with like Apple TV or uh, uh, the Apple platform, which was Pro Pro Don. Uh, which was a little bit different than DOS. It was, some of it was similar, some of it was different. Uh, it was just different enough to screw you up where if you tried using DOS, you'd run into issues. Uh, oh, DOS. I'm so yeah, glad I never I'd knew. I'd go and read like, the joke books, and it'd have like, the, the entire, like, it'd be like a 300-page book and have all uh, your mama jokes. Uh, your mama's so fat, she needs a kickstand. Kind of stuff like that. Uh, I can't really recall if I ever when the first time was that I actually used one of the unleashed a yo mama joke on somebody. <laughs> Anyways, it's been a while since I talked to you guys, I think. In the bowl. In the bowl. In the bowl. At Ned, calling from inside the aquarium, I think, tonight. <laughs> Something. We love hearing from Net Ned. Absolutely, every time. Cheers, Net Ned. Hope you're doing good up there. In net bed. <laughs> Tucked away in your net bed. Yeah. Bookstores in the mall. That's a great place to duck away. Because, yeah, there's only so much bullshit you can take standing around. Watching ladies look at the clothes and not buy them. Oof. It's a very drab uh, experience. But, hey, somebody's got to do it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, yeah, Christopher Battles rattled off one of the first ones I heard with the... Your mom's so fat when she sits around the house. She sits around the house. 
And it was really just in the way you said it. Yeah. And not anything about, like, the joke's really not that fucking funny. But you just say it like that, you know? And, uh, Shake your head and your belly also when you deliver that. Exactly. Yeah, you got to roll your whole shoulders around around the house. Uh, but the one that really, like, made me snort, lose my shit was uh, somebody was like, your mom is so poor. I was over at the house and picked a booger off the wall in the living room and she yelled at me because that's the family portrait. Oof. Or some shit like that. And I don't know why about because that's just as stupid, right? That's like, yeah. it's fucking dumb. It's not really funny. But something about it just hit me in that fucking <laughs> spot where I lost it. Because I'm like six, you Booger. Know? Booger. Picking a booger off the wall and then it's the family portrait. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's pretty ludicrous. It's just so absurd that it was just perfect for my six-year-old brain. I lost it. Just lost it. That was just playground stuff, man. Always on the yeah. playground. Yep. No adults out there. I'm trying to, I was trying to think of, like, other dumb shit jokes from back in that day. Like, uh, or, like, dumb shit things kids used to do or say. Like, one is, like, uh, they would try to claim that flipping you off meant, you know, uh, it was about where the tip of the finger was pointed instead of the back of the finger. Hmm. And be like, it's actually where the tip of the finger is pointed, so I'm flipping off the devil. And they just point one at you, but straight down, right? Oh. Uh. Like this. So then they're like, oh, it's about where the tip is pointing, and they'd point the tip down, but then they'd really just be flipping you off upside down. And you're sick, so you don't even know what any of that means. You're just like, doing it, you know it's wrong and rude and bad, you know? Yeah. Shit like that. Or student, student, teacher, student, student. Have you ever seen that one? That sounds familiar, but I don't remember. You get the, the hand up, and you're like, student, student, teacher, student, student. The teacher says, students, please sit down. And then, oh, boom. You got all him. your fingers go down except for the... You got him, you got, you're being flipped off at the end of Teacher in the middle. Yeah. No, I remember the, like, this is the church, these are the people, <laughs> one with the hands. And then there was a version of that that's, like, somehow a penis. Do you remember these? Does that ring a bell at all? I remember like something that goes like this. That's like really weird. People used to do, <laughs> yeah. where you got like both your middle fingers wiggling in opposite directions on flat palms. Yeah. Oh, C Dubs in the chat. Spell I cup. Oh yes, a classic. Spell I cup. Oh my god, probably hundreds of times in the first two years of elementary school. Now, did you and your sister make your mom jokes to each other? No. Oh. I don't really think so. That would have been funny. Our mom jokes. Yeah, <laughs> our mom. Oh, man. <laughs> See, does, it want, really wants me to spell no, I-cup. No, spell I-cup. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. No, no, but like, how do you spell I-cup, though? Like, <laughs> smells like Ubdog in here. Uh, smells like this next caller. Face to the screen, Voler. Hey. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, welcome uh, back. You know, I heard you guys talking about the drug use among the children these days in the schools and... uh whether it's drugs or not, I mean, that's kind of debatable, of course. You know, I mean, pot's not really a drug. But uh, sure. I don't recommend necessarily kids start smoking when they're young because, uh, you know, being a kid's already awkward enough. But, uh, hey, you know, you grow into it, you start smoking later on. But uh, the the thing about it is, like, when I was in school, they would tell us certain things about the drugs. And, like, you know, I think they would deceive us. Like, even, like, in fourth grade, uh, the science teacher would, like, tell us about how, like, beer was just like rotten 
you know, like rotting. Like, you know, I mean, fermentation and rotting are two different things. Right. But the guy would tell us it was just like rotten grain. And, uh, you know, beer is actually a way of preserving grain. Right. You know, and uh, actually kind of preserves water, too. Like, water goes bad if you just put it in a jug and let it sit for a year, man. Like, the beer, the alcohol in it, and even the hops kind of control the bacteria content. And, you know, it, you know, when I was in school, we did the surveys, too. And, like, I think a lot of the kids lied about how many drugs they took. A lot of kids thought it was funny. It's like, oh, I'm on heroin and everything, you know, like, yeah. which wasn't even true. <laughs> yeah. But so the survey results, you know, maybe kids are being less honest these days or being more honest. I'm not really sure. Like maybe they're uh, just, uh, I think maybe a lot of kids these days are afraid to admit when they might be smoking some pot. And, you know, I always was straight up with my mom. Like when she found out, I was just like, yeah, I smoke, you know? Yeah. Sorry. You know I mean? I wasn't even really that sorry about it. I was like, Hey, listen, you know, smoking pot, I don't do it that much. I just do it enough. And, you know, she's always accepted it as it is what it is. Nice. So she's a good mother in that way. You know, she didn't didn't really fight me about it, but um, I don't think she really approved. But at the same time, it's like my other siblings also smoke, so it was like, oh well, that's about long time coming. So I don't know. I guess I'm kind of just rambling. I'm not really prepared to have like a whole long conversation. So <laughs> in the bowl, in the bowl. I hope you guys uh, have a good night. Talk to you later. Bye. Peace. Uh. Yeah, I thought that too about the survey results. Like the deception on one way or another, because I know. When I was given surveys in school, I always lied and just said I didn't do anything. I always put them in the trash and lied and said I turned them in. Oh, nice. That's the ultimate. Fuck all that. You know, they're like, well, it's totally anonymous. You know, you're just filling in bubbles. I'm like, yeah, sure, it's anonymous. They're right. Mine was definitely anonymous. Yeah, yours was shredded later. Right in the trash can, bitch. That's what kind of drugs I take. But they don't ask the kid about what prescriptions they're on. Of course not. No, 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 no. That's a HIPAA violation, probably. We want illicit substances only. Ritalin is the good shit. Ugh. We don't have a problem with that. <laughs> Amanda Jones says, I can see your weenus. Oh, yes. Another playground fodder. Yeah. And then Tunta dropped the six-line S, which was always a personal favorite of mine. You ever do the six-line S? I remember drawing it for the first time and feeling like a real badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if my name was Spencer, I would have felt even cooler. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's my letter, man. I uh, loved the S. Ooh, we got a, we got a holler back. Face to the screen again, bowlers. Uh, real quick, I was going to tell a story about when I was in high school one time. Uh, a friend of mine and I, we both uh, got some acid, and we took it before school. We dropped it at like probably about 7.45, and school started at 8 o'clock. Damn. And it was back in the 90s. There was the Jesus Christ acid that was going around, and that stuff was pretty dynamite. And, uh, like, oh, man, I had a pretty good day. Like, you know, the other kids started finding out about us. Really getting worried about getting narked out. Like, that's the only thing that was bad about the trip. Yep. Was that the other kids were like, oh, are you tripping? Like, they try to, like, startle me and, like, jump out at me. And I'm like, dude, I'm not tripping that hard. You know, I'm just having a good time. Right. But, like, the, like about 9 o'clock in the morning between classes, the one my sister's friend came up to us, and she liked my buddy, you know, so, like, they were kind of talking to like, she just comes up like, what are you guys laughing about? What's your problem? And like, well, we took some acid, you know? And she's like, well, I'm not allowed to do that. I'm like, well, fucking neither are we. Right. <laughs> so, uh, the, Funny thing you know, about that. I, like I said, I don't really recommend it for all the kids, but man, you know, yeah. do what you want to do. I, You know, the acid, I think, I like shrooms better these days, but that's just what was accessible to me at the time. And uh, 
I really do think that uh, a lot of kids, because I never really, I mean, yeah, of course I was taking it to party at the same time, but, like, I was kind of, like, willing to accept it as, like, a an experience, you know, rather than just be like, oh, hey, I'm high as fuck, you know? Right. So I think, like, acid or even pot, like, that's how I used to look at pot back then. Like, I'd smoke a little bit of pot still these days, but, you know, back then when I first got introduced to it, it was like, hey, smoke a little bit, and then you just experience it and uh, open your mind, you know? The mind is like a parachute. It only works when it's open. But also, the mind is like a parachute. Never let anyone else pack it for you. There you go. So, you boys have a good night. You have a good night, too. I like that. That's yeah, I love slick. that. Uh, yeah. No, kids are just supposed to fucking uh, do good and learn shit. And that's it. Then once they become adults, they can get into DJ and shit. While you're kids, you gotta be good. That's what kids mm-hmm. do. Once you're in your teens, though, you learn through the adventures. And adventures include risks. This is true. This is true. But it's always got to be course corrected, you know? That's just my dad's zone. It's like, you got to push him back into the... <laughs> no, no, do this shit once you're out of my house. Yeah. Yep. Once I can't tell you what to do. Right now I can, though, and you're, I'm telling you cut the shit. Yeah, cheers face to the screen. Mine is like a parachute. Only works when it's open. Never let anyone else pack it for you. I love it. I love it, and I love the people. Last caller, next caller. Love them all. All callers. The very first time I told your mom a joke. Uh, it was in art class. I was um, in school. I don't remember what grade. Excuse me one second. I had to take you off speakerphone there. Uh, um, yeah, I was in school. I want to say it was third grade because this dude... Uh, this kid, Dustin, I can't think of his last name. Uh-huh. He he switched schools in fourth grade, and uh, he was the subject, well, the recipient, the recipient of this yo mama joke. And uh, <laughs> we had to do this this thing in art class where you take a normal like white blank shoe paper and you, you color on it with crayons or matte pencils, I guess matte pencils, uh, whatever you want, and, like all the bright colors, blah blah blah, shapes, anything you want. And then you color over it with a black crayon, just completely black it out. Mm-hmm. And then you, uh, you scrape out, like, you know, some words out of the black crayon, and you see bright, colorful matte pencil from underneath it. Yep. I, uh, I scratched out, yo mama can suck an egg. Oh, no. And I got in trouble. I didn't go to the principal's <laughs> office. I didn't even know what that meant. You know, I still kind of don't. I guess, like... Dos huevos. <laughs> Chupa. Dos huevos. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that was the first time I ever, I guess that counts, yeah, it's a yo mama joke. I felt bad one time. I uh, would do this thing where somebody would, like the last thing they said out of their sentence, I would say, your mama does whatever they just said. Right, well, yeah. So that's the one dude whose mom had just died. It was a co-worker. Uh, Fortunately, okay. small business, no HR. Lucked out there, I guess. Felt bad for the guy. I guess. <laughs> He's kind of dumb. And a dick. A dumb dick. <laughs> what a dumb dick. <laughs> Stick. Stick. Oh my god. He's kind of dumb and a dick. A dumb dick with a dumb dick. <laughs> That's the transcription. <laughs> Love it. Uh, dumb dick can suck an egg, man. <laughs> Your mom can suck an egg. Oh, man. 
It's easy. Thank you, callers. That was a great one. A great round of yes, first time. Just in time for Mother's Day. Just in time for Mother's Day. Your mama right. jokes. Your mama would like Mother's Day. Uh, call your mother and tell her a yo mama joke. And uh, listen to her tell you that uh, her mother's dead or whatever. However it works. However the mama joke thing works, you know. That's usually how it goes. And how this usually goes is we pick out a first time I ever for next week. Supposed to be all like, your mama's so stupid. Oh, she's dead. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, next week, whatever. This is the first time uh, pile over here somewhere. I... <laughs> I remember the first time you ever felt like an adult. I remember that one. Yeah, you want to just go with that? Sure, it's top so of mind for some shit. reason. Can't find my shit. Next I'm, week. I've been con all weekend, so. We want to hear about the first time you ever felt like an adult at 816-607-3663. Oh, yeah. Now there's only one thing left to do. That's true. One thing left on the menu. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold. Yeah, and you know what's on the menu? What? 500 pounds of pasta. I like a bit of pasta. Someone dumped 500 pounds of pasta near a stream in New Jersey. Raw. But then it rained. Oh, so no. then the pasta all like softened up and yeah. kind of looked cooked. So there was just these mounds of spaghetti and macaroni. Public works crews came in and cleaned it up, of course, after pictures started circulating on the interwebs. There's some kind of cloudy with a chance of meatballs joke in there somewhere. I'm sure. Yeah, no one knows who dumped it or why, but I have a feeling if they came back looking for it, they would have said, Somebody touch a mess baguette. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Who the hell has 500 pounds of pasta at the ready? Well, not that guy anymore. No, it's, it's gone, baby, gone. Yeah. Now. Germany's back on the lanes. <sighs> oh. This 51-year-old man decided to meet up with a woman from the internet and play a little game, a sex game. Okay. Out in the woods. Okay. She's like, all right, except for you just met her. Sure. From the internet. Right. You know, I mm, is this, are you sure this is who you want to be alone in the woods playing a game with? Let's play a little game. I don't know. She tied his ass up to a tree and then left because she got a phone call. So it doesn't say how long he was there, but uh, a cyclist and a hunter heard him screaming for help and found him. He was fully dressed, but firmly bound. And uh, he had pantyhose over his head. Oh, Jesus. This was on top of a deer hunting platform. So uh, they got him untied. He said, you know, I have my knife with me in case something like this ever happened, but I couldn't believe how tightly she was able to tie me. He couldn't get to his knife to cut through the ropes, I guess. So the cops are like, okay, who is this lady? You know, we got to get her on suspicion of... Failure to render assistance and mm -hmm. possible deprivation of liberty. And dude's refusing to tell. He's not going to snitch on mm. his lady friend. He's probably going to go get tied up again. Yeah. <laughs> he could get it again. A guy willing to get tied up in the woods by a lady he's meeting for the first time 
seems like the type that would want it to happen again. I think so. Especially now that he knows she knows how to tie really good knots. Might be a little desperate. <laughs> you think? Who knows? Who knows? Just, just, I don't know. Some people are just into that, like, pretend that you're kidnapping and about to kill me thing. It's not my bag, I'll tell you that. If you, right. if you tied me up to a tree and left because you got a phone call, that phone call would end because I would be screaming then. Hmm. Nasty screams. The person on the phone would be calling 911 on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, speaking of phone calls, uh, what was he? the former chair of the South Dakota Republican Party got a phone call from Christy Nome. Her cell phone, her personal cell phone. Sure. And when he answered, he heard this Italian guy angrily accusing him of stealing boxes of vaccines. Oh, no. And he was, he had the shit scared out of him. He's like, what the hell is this about? Well, then it ended. You've been pranked by this website where anyone can punch in any phone number and have it call you with a pre-recorded conversation. So someone prank called, uh, his name's Dan Letterman, the former chair of the South Dakota Republican Party. And nice. he was hellbound to find out who, uh, who did it. And good, good luck. You know, he did. Oh no. It was a journalist. That yeah, a Capitol Bureau reporter for Dakota News Now. Uh, he's pretty young too. I think he's twenty six. Old enough to know how to use a VPN. <laughs> Dumb bastards. Yeah. Well, he's been fired from his job for doing this. Oops. Uh, and Letterman said that this journalist would actually text him snide or rude remarks every once in a oh. while. <laughs> oh no. So, Christy Noem though claims that. All of her personal information, including her phone number and her social security number, were leaked to the public when Congress released its last rounds of January 6th investigation findings. Because she had signed into a White House logbook, Mm -hmm. and then they released all the logs, and all of her info was in there. So she's actually demanding that the Department of Justice investigate all that. So he could have just snagged her phone number from that, dump, or... Maybe he had it from being a journalist. Don't know. But prank calling at this level, uh, I guess, is a misdemeanor count because it was perceived as threatening and harassing. Uh, And then, you know, with the misleading contact using her phone number, it kind of adds to it. They also today added disorderly conduct to his charge. So I'm not sure what that looks like the disorderly conduct side of things but for the threatening harassment side it's a max penalty of one year in prison and two thousand dollars in fines Hmm. really though i feel like losing his job is already punishment enough yeah i mean a prank call for prank calls man come on that's pretty lame to get in trouble over especially a prank call that says yo this is fake at the end yeah i think the issue here though is we're dealing with Politicians. Easily ass mad. Yeah, lizards don't have humor. No sense of humor in lizards. Nope. Oh, anyway. I got a clip. A clip for you for this next story. All right. It's a fun one. 
the people who know me, they always kind of expect something a little bit different from me that comes out of the shop. Over the years, Kai Michelson has made everything from a rocket-powered toilet to a jet-powered coffee pot. But his latest creation is making a different kind of buzz. One thing about this motorcycle is definitely different. And I like to be really creative, do things that other people have never done in the past. Michelson has built what he believes is the world's first beer-powered motorcycle in his garage in Bloomington. Michelson says instead of a gas engine, the bike has a 14-gallon keg with a heating coil inside. So when he pours beer into the keg, the liquid heats up to 300 degrees. The beer turns into superheated steam, which provides degrees. enough thrust to move the bike forward. The price of gas is <laughs> getting up there. Uh, I don't drink. I'm not. A, I'm a non-drinker, so I can't think of Obviously. anything better than to use it for fuel. <laughs> Michelson says he hasn't taken his homemade motorcycle out on the road just yet, but he has entered it into a few local car shows where it has won first place. And while the Rocket Man, as he is nicknamed, has traded horsepower for hops power, oh, he believes his motorcycle could reach speeds up to 150 miles per hour. I love that. Like, well, I haven't driven it, but, you know, it could go 150 miles per hour. Yeah. I guess you could figure it out with some sort of math, but. No, do it or it's not real. <laughs> yeah. Fake news. That's right. Pixar didn't happen. <laughs> also talking about the price of gas, but then, you know, look at the price of beer, man. It seems kind of like an equal expense. Mm-hmm. Give me something that runs on uh, water. Yeah. Well, well, I don't drink the stuff. It's like, yeah, that's why. <laughs> You burn 14 gallons worth of it in a keg uh, trying to power a motorcycle. I don't think anybody who appreciated beer would be doing that. Yeah. So that much was obvious, at least. Yep. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, In Nashville, a guy had uh, quite the wake-up call in a hotel. He woke up and he saw a guy at the foot of his bed sucking on his toes. Or maybe he felt it before he saw it. <laughs> yeah, so it uh, turns out... What the fuck? The toe sucker was the manager of this Nashville hotel. Oh my god. And uh, the guest was a man who recognized the manager when he finally came to because he had been in his room the day before with another employee fixing the TV. Now, the manager claims that he smelled smoke in the room and went in to check it out and make sure the client was okay, or customer. <laughs> but uh, I, sucking on toes, I mean, there's toes on fire, and you decide to put it out with your mouth, not a very likely story. And there's no evidence of smoke or fire at all. Judge, so, that man's toes was on fire. I had to put them out. <laughs> I save his life. So the cops did show up to the manager's house and arrested him for aggravated burglary and assault. What he burgled, other than this guy's pride, I don't know. <laughs> he burgled something with his mouth. <laughs> something left those toes. Ugh. That's all I know. Oh my god. Give him another one. Tochi's exactly. God That's what it. he was stealing. <laughs> burgled, absolutely burgled of my Tochi's. What the fuck is wrong with people? 
foot fetishes, man, that make you do some wild things. Oh my god! Like, suck a strange man's toes. Somebody who like is an actual stranger, though, not like a customer at the fucking hotel you run. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, a bigger risk, right? Like, oh, there's no way it was the guy that works here. He hasn't been here. Oh my god, what a creepo, dude. It's so creepy. If I ever wake up with my toes in some dude's mouth, (laughs) I'll be glad I don't clip them off. Well, and the worst part is... I'm be cutting some tongue. Yeah. Well, you know, I always have machete nails. Like, I wait too long to clip my toenails, too, so I could just slice that guy's mouth open with my toe if I woke up. Uh... Can you imagine oh a toenail to the roof of the mouth? That would be Ugh. fucking miserable. Yeah. That'd be a lot of blood for a short period of time. The dude kind of looks like the character Lincoln from Boston Legal. Bro, also. why was I thinking about that guy? So, because he's a Because he's the creepiest bastard I know. Creepy peepy. <laughs> and he has a dirty mouth. Oh my God. I can't even dude. talk like that guy, but he does the weird southern... Uh, I don't know, like something I might expect from someone ten- in uh, Nashville. The repressed Bible Belt fruit voice. Yes. Which is the kind of guy who would go suck on your toes while you're, while sleeping, you're sleeping in his hotel. <laughs> the Toe Suck Hotel. <sighs> Come on in. Vacancy. <sighs> we don't mind sucking on toes. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> Complimentary. As long as uh, you know it's going down and everyone's ready. Yeah, consensual toe sucking. Yeah, informed consent on the sucking of toes, please. Yeah. That's all we ask. I want to wake up in this situation. That would freak me out so bad. Fuck off with all that. My feet also are like really sensitive when I'm sleeping. They always have to be covered. Like if my feet are uncovered, it's a, a very unpleasant sensation for me. But to be inside of something that I don't know I'm in, like my toes in a mouth. A wet holy something. shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Next lane. Next lane. <laughs> oh, well, here there's a uh, big snake that decided to make its home inside of a traffic signal breaker box. That's not a good place for a snake to live. He was so big, he ended up, you know, knocking some switches around, flipping switches, and ended up causing a power outage at this four-way intersection. This was in Virginia. So, someone eventually caught on, hey, the uh, intersection lights aren't working, which is fine. I'm sure people are smart enough to know you just use it like a four-way stop, right? Right? Uh, <laughs> as soon as you said people are smart enough. Yeah, you know. He, he lost me. There's someone that just parked there all day. Well, lights are off. I guess we'll wait until they turn on. <sighs> so, police showed up and, uh, you know, like a repairman came thinking that, like, something was wrong with yeah. the breaker box. Open it up, find this giant snake. Oh, shit. <laughs> but they removed it and the snake was unharmed and released into the wild somewhere to live a normal snake life. Oh, yeah. But I guess that the snake had been living there for quite a while because they said it was filled with waste and a bunch of molted skin. Damn. So. He'd just been chilling there for several molts. Yeah, several molts. That was his home. Bro, gotta move on, man. City, (laughs) City life is overrated. Yeah. It was probably real warm in there, though. 
Yeah, true. It must have been electric. Oh, that snake is lucky he wasn't electric. Yeah. Fried snake. <laughs> not my delicacy of choice. Also, flying, not that big on it. And this lady might not be either. After she attempted to fly from New Jersey to her Florida home and found out she was actually Jamaica-bound. Jamaica, Jamaica! Now, how does this happen? Well, she was at her, you know, terminal, or the gate. She was at the gate where the plane is going to Florida, and it was a Frontier airline. So she went up to the lady at the desk and is like, I really have to pee uh, are we going to be boarding soon? And the lady was like, you need to hurry because we're about to board. She's like, okay. She ran to the bathroom. She came back, and she handed the lady like her paperwork and stuff because everyone was already boarded by the time she got back. Yeah. So they scuffled her onto the plane, not thinking anything of it. Apparently, at some point during the commotion of going pee, they switched gates. What? Now, I think that they had to have switched gates before she left to go to the bathroom and maybe just not updated the sign or something where she didn't look at the sign at all. Because yeah. Jamaica and Florida are two very different flight paths. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess. I guess also... It depends where you're leaving from. Talking to a lady at the desk uh, to just say, like, do I have time to go to the bathroom... Doesn't bring up, like, your destination. Sure. She just cares that you have a boarding pass, which she did for Frontier, which is what this plane was also, Frontier Airlines. So she was, like, mid-flight, and she made some passing comment to the lady, like, we're not there yet or whatever, and the lady's like, oh, you know, we're right here, you know, on our way to Jamaica. And the lady laughed, and she's like, well, I would love to go to Jamaica, but I just don't have money for vacation right now. And the flight attendant was like, excuse me? You realize this flight is going to Jamaica, right? And then the lady realized that the flight attendant wasn't pulling her leg and was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> Since she didn't have her passport, she couldn't leave the plane once it landed. Nice. So some flight crew had to stay behind and sit with her for hours until they could get her onto a plane going to Philadelphia. Wow. And so Frontier did agree to issue her a refund as compensation. Flying is bad enough, but being locked in a flight that's not going where you're trying to go is whew, such a waste of my life. You can't get <laughs> off the plane because you don't have a fucking passport. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. You're stuck here for days. No, just some more hours. Should have driven from New Jersey to Florida. Yes. Anyway, this lady maybe shouldn't have driven. She's a 48-year-old from Melbourne who decided to go on vacation to uh, Bright in Victoria in Australia. And she always called her family every day, so they got really concerned when she didn't call them to check in and reported her missing. Well, five days went by and no one heard from her. So the police, they'd been out looking, but they didn't see anything. Uh, a helicopter just happened to be flying overhead and spotted her car at the end of a dirt road. So they sent cops out to that area, and they found her safe and sound by her vehicle. She hit this dead-end road after taking a wrong turn to get to her destination, which was some lake. And her car ended up getting bogged down in the mud when she was trying to turn around. And I guess she just 
couldn't figure out how to get her car out of the mud. So she was stuck there without, you know, cell phone coverage. So she couldn't call anyone. So all she had, because this was a day trip for her. So she just had some like hard candies in her purse and a bottle of wine that she had gotten for her mom. (laughs) She said she doesn't drink, but uh, five days, got to drink something. That was what she survived off of, wine and some lollipops. Mm. So she said her body was like shutting down by the time they found her. And as soon as she saw them, she said, two words came out of my mouth, water, cigarette. Nice. <laughs> so, and they got her water and a cigarette. <laughs> but, oh, man, I just can't see myself sitting in my car for five days thinking this is the end. Like, I feel like I would find some way to get that car out of the goddamn mud, you know? Come hell or high water. Yeah. You'd probably find me dead outside of the car because I would <laughs> overexert myself. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, the cops here said, well, she was smart not to leave her car and because, w- you know, wander out in the woods and get eaten by a giant snake or something. Yeah, I don't know. Man. Australia shit. Those snakes. Gotta be careful. In New Mexico, dude went into a convenience store and asked the clerk if he could borrow his cell phone to make a call. Clerk's like, all right, whatever. Hands him his cell phone. Guy proceeds to call 911 and tells the dispatcher that, he has killed someone, and he would like to be taken in. Cops show up for questioning, you know, detain him. Uh, he says, I killed my landlord in 2009. Here's where his body is buried, and also you'll find some of his bones and dentures under the floorboards in the side room of my house. So they get a search warrant, go to his house, yep. Find the dentures and the bones of his landlord in this house where I guess he's just been living (laughs) for over a decade. Uh, He said he didn't know why he killed his landlord. He just had to confess because his heart hurt and the killing had been eating at him. Fuck. It's really like a telltale heart. Like, dude was under your floorboards. At least pieces of the dude. So, yeah, he, um... He also told the officers, like, hey, tell that guy's family he was a good man and he didn't deserve what I did to him, but I don't have an excuse for what I did. So, shit. Big oof. Not what you expect when a guy's like, can I borrow your phone? Right. That's why um, I don't let people borrow my phone. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. It's a big no no. No, I don't have a phone. <laughs> I just always say, I'm. this doesn't actually work. I'm just holding it so that I don't look weird. <laughs> yeah, I just want to fit in, man. Yeah. This is not a real phone. So he's being represented by the major crimes unit within the public defender's office. And boy, I'd say they have their job cut out for them. No doubt. Probably not going to be a win. Just my suspicion. Yeah. And last story of the lanes tonight. Uh, Something fell through the roof, ceiling, and left a big dent in the hardwood floor in a New Jersey home. They think it was a meteorite. It's got a charred exterior, and it's like four inches by six inches. Uh, unfortunately, you know, they called authorities to report what had happened. No one was injured, worth pointing out. The house was badly injured, but no people were injured. 
Uh, now scientists have taken the rock or whatever it is, and we'll be examining it to determine if it is, in fact, a meteorite. Or if it's just a chunk of poopy from the airplane. A chunk of something. Well, we got chunks tonight. That's for sure. Oh, man. I just hope they give it back. It's like, hey, it fell into my house. Right. That's my meteorite. I have a guess. That's the what, That's the weather that will happen. Yeah, my guess is not. Yeah, exactly. I know for sure what will happen, though. And that's that we will be back on next Tuesday with another one of these bad bowls for you. Thank you so much, bowlers, for hanging out. Always a lovely time. Always a pleasure. Until next Tuesday, I'm going to remain Sir Spencer, Wolf of Kansas City. And I'll still be Dame DeLorean. Until next time, bowlers. May your bowls burn ever brighter.